0: Welcome back to the Something's Brewing Podcast, episode 69. 69! Nice. The, there's actually nobody in the Boston Bruins history that's ever worn the number 69. But before I forget, the Something's Brewing Podcast, as always, brought to you in partnership by the one and only Primetime Productions. You can follow them on Twitter at PrimetimeProds to keep yourself updated on the many podcasts that we have on the network. Uh, keep yourself updated on articles, gambling, NBA, MLB, NFL um nhl nhl the other sport the one, NCAA, that, we're getting, NCAA, the NCAA one that we're covering football right football. now and NC, yep nc football you know <laughs> just around the horn dude here we go we're starting this episode off hot and i love it but because there's no uh because there's no player in the bruins history that's ever worn the number 69 which by the way whoever the first person to do that will indeed break the internet when that happens but <laughs> um I've, I figured we could, uh, we could honor the 1969 Boston Bruins. Um, head coach, obviously Harry Sinden, the team was 42, 18 and 16, a hundred point season wagon, finished second in the NHL East division. Um, and they ultimately lost in the semifinals to guess who?
1: Is it Montreal? The
0: Montreal it- Canadians.
1: I almost, I almost said the Columbus Blue Jackets. <laughs>
0: yeah, I, yeah, little known fact: the Columbus Blue Jackets <laughs> in the 1960s were a wagon of a team. <laughs> never lost a game. <laughs> never lost a game, dude. But um, just some like some standout players, just kind of going through that history. Um, and this is kind of cool too. It being the hundredth year, kind of going through you know one of the best teams in the you know team's history um Jerry Cheevers
1: obviously Phil Esposito. shout out to him 26 hat tricks what the fuck like that is insane that the other day he when he retired if I'm not mistaken I believe he had the record for most uh goals in NHL history so I, I guess believe it's so a, it's not too surprising but still like to think back like 26 hat tricks god yeah. damn even crazier is pasta's
0: second on the team right now he already has 15 pasta has 15 hat tricks already
1: holy shit Hey, Marshawn got one more the other night, huh? Yeah, but I, I I'm pretty sure
0: shout out to Max Mainville if he's listening, because he put this out on um on Twitter. He put this whole, you know, hat trick leaders and everything out there. Um, first hat trick didn't come until the 2018, 2019 season. So, er, I'm sorry, 2017, 2018. So he's gotten 15 hat tricks in you know, from from that time period to now. But um, some other you know big what, names on that team, dude. You know what's
1: crazy, too, is Esposito then went and played, like, another five or six years for the Rangers, too. I wonder how right. many metrics he had when he was there as well. Who knows? He could have got more than uh, the 26 he had. Dude, in
0: Esposito, Esposito, I think, obviously everybody knows how good he was, but I think if you really, like... Because I don't know if I've ever really taken the time to dive deep into his stats and his career, but, like, the more I... The more I learn about him it's like how is this guy
1: not like a household name just in the realm of hockey he kind of is I but I know and I, I honestly I feel like part of that too might be like uh like an age thing like if like you talk to like my dad or you talk to anybody of that generation and Espo's like the first name that comes up oh Phil Espo, oh, chief Esposito are you kidding me you know everybody loves Phil Esposito but I feel like um, like the younger generation, you know, you talk about past Bruins, maybe because he played with Bobby Orr and Bobby Orr is the first name of any hockey historian, any hockey fan whatsoever you ask him. Yeah. Name four hockey players who aren't playing today. Gretzky, Bobby Orr, usually the first couple that, that come out of the mouth. But I don't know. I mean, Ray Bort gets his name mentioned a lot. You're right. Espo, Holy I think, uh, needs a little more respect in his name these, dude, these days. Also, by the way, I, d- I don't want to be a dickhead, but Johnny Busick was chief. Oh,
0: damn it, dude. I just said before we had people coming at us, I, I just want to say that. But what was this, Espo's nickname? Espo. Um, it's on his hockey reference page. It says his nicknames are Flipper and Espo. No way. He had something cool. Dude. He had something cool. Yeah, but listen to the stretch of hockey from him, dude. Yeah. Um, the season that we're talking about right now, he had 126 points. The season after that he had 99. These are this is all with Boston as well. Um, 1970 to 1971, he had 152 points. 1971, 1972, 133 points. 1972, 1973, 130 points. 1973, 1974, 145 points and then his final year in Boston, 127 points. Best Man group. was – dude, he – that's I didn't expect us to start this episode off by going on a little love shack with Phil Esposito. Well,
1: I mean, like, 76 goals just seems kind of unfathomable. And, like, it's – you know, like, I feel like you, you think you think of goal scores, right? Modern-day NHL goals, goal scores: Ovechkin, Pasta, Austin Matthews, like these highly skilled, uh, at least in Pasta's case, speedy, speedy winger. I mean, can just shoot the shit out of the puck. And I feel like, you know, you and I didn't have the luxury of watching Phil Esposito play, but looking at like old pictures and old clips, i like, he's a big guy, a big lumbering yeah, guy. Dude. He's filling the, he's getting 76 goals in a year, 26 hat-tricks, the all-time leading scorer when he retires. Like that's, it's funny. I feel like you, you, you look at him and you look at like modern day NHL 50 goal scores. We don't have a 70 goal score, but like t- two totally different like player and body types. I feel like yeah, the dude. traditional I- score we see today. I feel
0: like his, how, how big was he, dude? 6'1", 205. I mean, that's a, I would consider that a power forward back in that day, too. But, I mean, he obviously came back for, um, you know, opening night with the Bruins Legends. And I believe he's in his 80s, right? And, yeah, he's 81. Dude looks like he's in his 60s. Like, he looks good, too. But, um yeah, dude. So so episode sixty nine starting off hot with the nineteen sixty nine
1: Boston Bruins. Shout out Espos' brother too at other Hall of Fame. You know, people talk about listen, the the royal family of the NHL, it was the the stalls, I guess. Now yeah. it's probably the now it's probably the Hughes. Yeah. Give the Espositos some respect. Phil Esposito Hall of Famer, his brother Tony Esposito, Hall of Fame goaltender. Couple of legends,
0: huh? Dude, I'm looking at this one picture of him on his hockey reference page and it's just, it's like a player, you know, um snapshot. He just looks like he's the stereotypical like 1970s Italian hockey player that just looks like he'd fuck you up any day of the week.
1: I think that's why he fit in so well around here. I mean, he I know. just, like, he looks like a guy you could see, like, leaning on the side of a brick building, like smoking a cig and reading the newspaper at any place in Boston, just drive around. and Oh, by the way, this guy just Pumped 76 goals last year for the Boston Bruins. by the way. Like dude, dude lifted a cup a couple, couple times. It, like he could be a ticket scalper outside of the garden. Like that's, <laughs> that's what he looks like. <laughs> I've literally I've literally seen 30 Phil Espositos just around town at the gas or, station.
0: Dude, or he he helped with his construction helmet on. Helped he, he helped in the big dig. He actually guy, built the sumner tunnel.
1: That guy's tunnel. he's a trucker, man. He he hauls logs all the time. I see him yeah. going back and forth in New Hampshire. Yeah, yeah, did you see him last week? He got stuck on Storrow Drive, dude. Like I saw him crossing the border getting fireworks
0: from Phantom Fireworks. Unbelievable. <laughs> Somebody call a cops on this guy. But yeah, so um in other in other news though, the Bruins obviously our last episode our, our last episode um the Bruins were in a bit of a skid. Um three straight losses. Uh, and they were coming into a big game against I mean, the San Jose Sharks, <laughs> and thank God, dude, thank God that they won that game because the discourse around this team, if they had lost, would have been so toxic and just so unbearable online.
1: Oh yeah, and um, and it's it's funny that you laughed saying it was a big game because it like it was, and <laughs> it was. Like, it's so weird the five win uh, zero roadwind San Jose Sharks coming into Boston and flying across the country. And it was the biggest game of the year. It really but was. Um, listen, I think a lot of things went right that game. I think the Bruins look well, look pretty good, but I think that um, what really pushed them over the edge was I was back at Chili's. True, I went true. to Chili's. <laughs> I watched the game with my friend, my friend, Ethan and my former college roommate, Mike, and we had a hell of a time. And now we know anytime the Bruins are in a skid, Chili's go to Chili's, get some nachos, their crispy chicken bowl, by the way, this is not an ad. Freaking, <laughs> sm- It's max, dude. It's so good. Um, no, but it was a good game. I thought that the Bruins pretty much dominated the entire game. It felt like Swayman going back to his old self, shutting the door. Yep. Uh, a shootout coming off, getting pulled against Columbus. Um, it was the biggest game of the year so far. The Bruins went it, and, and it was funny, too. I know we're going to talk about the other games, but last week we said on this podcast that you know the Bruins, they lost three games, and the world was ending like Bruins Twitter was on fire. Like everybody's going crazy. And we said, um, you know, a week from now, if the Bruins beat San Jose, they beat Toronto and then they beat, they get the revenge against Columbus. Nobody's talking about it anymore. And here we are the next week. The Bruins did exactly that. And I feel like now that three game skit is nothing but a distant memory.
0: It is. Thank God too, because uh, it was just getting brutal. But I mean, another big thing on that Zaka had two points that game. DeBrusque stayed hot. He had a goal. And, and um, you know, obviously he, he's been heating up a little bit now and that's, thank God, we're starting to see that. Um, but he seems like he's kind of falling back into his game. But that's that's the thing, though. Like, I know that the production wasn't there. Everybody knows that the production wasn't there, but it's not like he was playing bad. Like, if you were really watching the games and if you were really, you know, maybe keeping an eye on Jake DeBrusque, then you knew that eventually some of those were going to, Go in the back of the net. He was going to pick up an assist here and there. He was just kind of um, what's the word? Um um, 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 I can't think of the word. But he was just hitting a streak where just nothing was working for him.
1: He was just getting unlucky. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, and I know, he, like like you said, he was still playing. He was playing great defensively. Honestly, he might have been playing some of the best right. defensive hockey of his career. The Bruins were utilizing him on the penalty kill. He looked great on the penalty kill. It was just, he was just snake bitten. He just couldn't get the puck in the back of the net. Snake bitten that's the that's the term that i was looking for i i (laughs) I knew it and i didn't i wanted to use it on my own i didn't want to help you out i wanted to steal it from you (laughs) fair fair enough (laughs) but um no i mean he's like you said even though he wasn't um performing um Point production wise, like he wasn't getting assists or putting pucks in the back of the net, like we just said, he was still doing pretty much everything else. I mean, he, like we said, he was playing great defensively. He's being utilized all over the ice. He just couldn't score, and you know, he had a couple goals in uh, back-to-back games. He played; he had a goal against San Jose, and he's been playing well ever since. uh, Honestly, ever since that benching, since he was a healthy scratch, I think he's really kind of turned it around. Yeah, and uh, it's it's good because I know that's one thing we were talking about was getting. Um, more secondary scoring from that second line position, whether he's playing second line or first line. there He's kind of flip-flopping. But um, I think that's exactly what the Bruins need is for him to start scoring. And couldn't have come at a better time because they just had a three-game skid.
0: Hey, but shout out to this Toronto game because oh. me, me, you, and our buddy Connor went to Buffalo Wild Wings in Shrewsbury to watch this game. Um, shout out to the two guys sitting next to us Absolutely hammered, but they were totally into the game with us too. It was a great time. But um obviously, um, in that game, the Bruins win in overtime. Um, an electric game. I said it, I said it on Twitter as well. The the entire time, and I don't know if it was the beers and the wings and
1: the boys, but it felt like a playoff game, dude. The oh, whole yeah. time. Any anytime, anytime Bruins Toronto, it, it doesn't matter. They could be playing at 5 a.m. on a Tuesday morning and everybody's yeah. getting up for that game and it's electric <laughs> sure. and it feels like a playoff <laughs> game. And, uh, it was funny cause, um, boy, I've just been going to great restaurants watching hockey League between Chili's and Buffalo Wild Wings. But it was <laughs> funny cause when, when we got there, when they, when the Bruins game was starting, um, the Georgia Alabama game was just finishing. Yep. And, um, I th- might've been before you got there, but, uh, Connor and I, our waitress, like the only waitress in the entire restaurant was, of course, from Georgia. She had the Georgia Bulldogs jersey on. So there's no way in hell they're turning that game off the big TV to put the Bruins game on. And uh, so Connor and I didn't even bother because the game was going to end anyways. But somebody must have asked because somebody at the bar with the big iPad thing changed the channel. And every single big TV in Buffalo Wild Wings went from the Alabama-Georgia SEC championship game to the Bruins-Maple Leafs. And, like, you would have thought, like somebody just drove a car through the place like everybody's <laughs> screaming they're like what the what the game at? like in a, food's flying everybody and Connor and i are like oh my god and then and then the waitress was the worst of them all she was dropping expletives and like running across the bar because she wanted to watch her georgia bulldogs get smacked by the way they ended up losing anyway. so ha. and then uh and then the game ended and we put the Bruins game on but you're right it was a great game and i think the beer and the and the wings definitely helped and the friends but um, it was an exciting game. Something about the Bruins and the other team pulling their goalie that they just yep. can't figure out. I thought I saw um, Jim Montgomery say that they have, um, oh, it might have been the number nine minutes. It, it's either they've, like, the other team has had their goalie pulled against the Bruins for nine minutes in total, or the Bruins have had the other team's goalie pulled for nine more minutes in the next closest team. It's something like that. But the Bruins have also played, they've, played so well that the other team quite frequently has to pull their goalie towards the end of games. But that's like the amount of times that's happened. It happened against Anaheim when they scored in the final seconds. It happened against Toronto. It happened against Tampa. I mean, there's there's like so many examples of this throughout the course of the season. And we're in like game 25. Yeah. And I don't know if there's really like a, like, is there really a
0: reason that that's happening? Obviously, there's. The, it's like the, the they clearly for some reason when that happens they can't clear the puck. Like, I don't know what it is. They just can't. It's like a hot potato, dude. They can't get rid of it. Um, or they try to, and it just it's just they they just can't. It's like there's a force field up around the blue line, and it's just it's impossible for them to get it out. But, uh, like, I don't know how to necessarily correct that other than for Montgomery to just be like. You know, everybody gather around the zone and watch what I do. It's silent in the rink. It's dead quiet. Montgomery has a puck on his stick.
1: Grizzly's dad is doing something yeah. on the side of the ice.
0: Yeah, Grizzly's dad is, is shaving away all the ice chips, <laughs> making the TD Garden ice nice and smooth for the boys. And Montgomery just nice and easily, like a like a spatula, flips the puck up over the defenseman's heads and it hits Grizzly's dad in the in the noggin and he's like good clear Monty that's a way to show him and that's only
1: that's he all he's gonna do passes out <laughs> yeah and then it, yeah and no that's, that's it yeah it's crazy because uh I've seen people <clears throat> say the same thing whether it be like them asking Jim Montgomery like uh the media asking Jim Montgomery or just people like as like being so sick of this shit, asking it on Twitter, why is this happening? What the hell do we do? I mean, the Bruins have the best penalty kill in the league. I mean, they have right. no problem playing when they're outnumbered by the other team. It's literally, they can't get the puck out and they have opportunities to the one that I remember the most distinctively was when they're playing Anaheim and Anaheim tied the game when they ended up giving the Bruins their first, uh, loss. I know they got a point out of it, but still their first loss of the year. And, um, zaka had like three chances in a row to get the puck out and he couldn't do it like there was yep. a couple times where uh like the defenseman I don't remember who it was it was like a month ago but they would try to like fire it off the glass and and um the other t- I think it actually was Racco Gudis jumped up and grabbed it, yes. That's yes, it was. yeah got it there was times where you know like finally Swayman is able to make get a nice kick save over to the boards right on so-and so stick and they fan on the puck and it's like that happens all the time. And that's the exact time when it can't happen. But it's just like, uh, to use the word that you couldn't find earlier, they're just snake bitten in the last minute of games. When the other team pulls their goalie, they cannot, for the life of them, get the puck out of the zone. And it's not like they're running around. Like they have the puck on their stick. They just can't, they can't cross the goal line. They can't ice it. And you got an empty net, you got something to shoot for. But uh, that's it. It's literally always that. It's not because in all the examples, it's felt like that the other team has scored in the last minute of a game. It's not because like they were just like Bruins didn't touch the puck for a minute. There's they're slinging it all over the place. They're hitting crossbar and posts, and they're <laughs> the goal. No, it's like the Bruins make defensive plays, and their goalie gives them saves. They have one, two, three, four opportunities to get it out, and they just can't do it. It yep. we say this all the time. It looks like our men's league team. <laughs> like, they, they physically can't get the puck out of the zone. And I don't know how you reinforce that. I mean, I think a lot of it is uh like stuff you learn when you're a kid. don't go to your backhand that's the first one a couple times they're going to their backhand and they're fanning on it well if you just kept it on your forehand and just fire it off the boards you don't have to worry about it just stuff like that you know and glass it out nobody wants to go glassing out anymore it's 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 frustrating because it's like stuff that like they teach you when you're like a squirt and a peewee and you're watching the highest level of hockey and they're losing games or or giving up giving the other team a point because they can't they can't just get the puck out yeah and it's
0: like it, the thing is too it's not like they try to clear it like once or twice and it gets stopped like they they have the puck on their stick like five or six times and they try to get it out and it's like they just give it right back to the other team and it's like dude like and then you you see it coming like especially against Toronto when Matthew scored that goal i mean everybody saw it coming you i i, I distinctly remember at buffalo wild wings there was like three seconds. No, 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 because they scored with four seconds left. So there was probably like 10 seconds left. I looked down at my phone and all I heard was the Toronto
1: goal horn going off. And I think I looked at you and I just was like, fuck it. Like, well, <laughs> I felt, well, okay. Hey, first of all, we got to flush something out real quick. You I were, think like, if, if you yeah. were when because yeah, you put out that tweet when it was two nothing let that like the leaves suck like they the like did the yeah, call them, them a joke i called them i said the leaves
0: are a fucking joke and then i called i went even further and i called them a failure year after
1: year after year after year and i love it and Literally, that was in like the first period not even not even 3 minutes later it was 2-2 the look of shit sure, like your phone was like ding 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 like twitter notification everybody's like dude what is your problem like everybody's <laughs> coming after you everybody's blaming it on you and then um and then the bruins took the lead it was three two and uh Oh, I exploded when yeah, Frederick you, scored that goal. Oh my! You, they everybody the the table behind us was like, "Wow, that guy's excited over there." And it wasn't even that; it was every, t- every any time something was happening in the last five minutes, you're like, Shoot, shoot, shoot Like you were like yelling at <laughs> everything, and everybody was looking. But I I remember with like ten seconds left in the game, like when the whole sequence where Austin Matthews scored, <laughs> I was having such a good time. I looked at Connor and I was like. You know, I'm gonna be honest. I kind of wish this would go into overtime. <laughs> I swear to I swear to God on my life, you could ask anybody. Not even two seconds later, Austin Matthews scored, and I turned to Connor, and I was
0: like, "Wow!" Well, at least I didn't tweet it. I was gonna say, "At least you didn't tweet it." But that's the thing, dude. That's why i like, that's why I was so like. Nervous that they were going to lose this game because over the past month, I've been in way too many Twitter spats where I'm (laughs) just getting
1: yelled at. (laughs) And then when the Bruins won in overtime, I mean, you were like jumping up and down. You were so excited. Then the the, the waitress came over and she was like, oh, what did you guys you guys win money did you have a bet on it and i was like no but he bet his credibility on it (laughs) i was like he "He put out a tweet that that the leafs suck that the bruins are gonna win and all this shit and they just won (laughs) but now he can sleep tonight
0: yeah dude i wasn't i was ready to just delete twitter off my phone i wasn't i didn't want all that smoke coming back in my face but i mean dude we got to talk about First, really quickly, that Kevin Shattenkirk goal. I think Pasta made him the pass. I did not know that Kevin Shattenkirk had those kinds of soft, silky hands
1: and those kind of moves in him. Like, that was nasty. You know, it's funny. I feel like it's always the one you least expect it. Like, I was... uh Two examples. Yeah, like like Sean Thornton. Sean Thornton. That's the one I always (laughs) think about. Yeah, the backhand toe drag. Absolutely nutty for a fourth line enforcer to go out and just do one of the silliest moves you've ever seen somebody do. (laughs) Like, holy stock strap is in the rafters. It was that bad. And then I remember um, the game against uh, Columbus. Uh, Sometimes I, instead of watching the play, very rare occasions, I'll just, like, I'll lock on a player and be like, let's see what this guy's going to do. And I did that with Derek Forbert, and he was like, because, you know, you know me and Forbert, and I was kind of watching him, like, skating around the defensive zone, doing his thing, and uh, the whole time I was, I was focusing on his skating because he's known to not be a very good, not that he's a bad skater, but I think comparing him to the rest of the Bruins crop of defensemen who are excellent skaters, he's obviously the one that sticks out the most as not being like the others. And uh, he when he was getting off for a line change, he, like, kind of did this little, like, like, hop, step, pivot thing. And I was like, oh, I didn't know he had that in his arsenal. So <laughs> there's a couple times players can surprise you. They can do something you didn't expect that they were doing. Shag Kirk's a great example of that with his goal. And so yeah. Derek Forbert. Derek Forbert, very famously, he's very nimble on his toes. Um, <laughs> but- I was like, whoa, is that, like, you know, a big guys at Austin Matthews in a Bruins jersey? Oh, no, it's just Derek Forbert. Holy it shit, I awesome. didn't know I didn't know Matthew Potra played defense, um,
0: <laughs> but that, that entire overtime, that three on three may have been the craziest three on three overtime that I've ever seen on, to be honest. And I, and we didn't even mention this too. My phone was at 1% in, in, in Buffalo Wild Wings right before overtime started. So I had to run out to my car, charge it really quick, get it up to like 3% and then run back into the restaurant. <laughs> but um, There were a couple things that stuck out in that overtime. Obviously, the back and forth action um, saves after save, breakaway after breakaway. Um, but that final sequence where Kneelander was cutting through the middle, Marshawn gives him a little forearm shiver, knocks him to the ground, uh, Pasta picks up the puck, goes on the breakaway. Obviously, backhander off a wall's pad flips it up to a wide open marshawn who gloves it puts it down and into the back of the net for an absolute electric factory overtime winning goal in toronto in the alternate uniforms i mean come on but
1: what the fuck was john Tavares doing
0: did you see that did you see that yeah, clip?
1: yeah no i saw it i i don't know listen it's overtime. i get it everybody's tired but if there's if there's one game there's one game I feel like as a Toronto Maple Leaf that you're waking up for. It's when the Boston Bruins come into Toronto. Like, that's the game. You yep. had this great two-goal comeback. It's 2-2. You tied the game with six seconds left in the third period. It's set into overtime. And that's the effort you give when you turn <laughs> right. the, your teammate turns the puck over the neutral zone in overtime. Like, I know he probably saw David Posternock screeching in on a breakaway and went, Oh, shit. You know, we're going to lose. But you have a C on your sweater. <laughs> you're right. the one. You're the one who's supposed to be the first, even if you think you're going to lose, which guess what? They did. Awesome. <laughs> even if you know that's going to happen, you still got to get back. You still got to set an example. And I saw somebody tweet, um, you know, the tale of two captains, because you compare him to Brad Marchand, who was the one who, of course, stole the puck away from Nylander, got up, followed the puck down the ice, caught the puck, put it on the ice, scored the overtime winner, and he's standing there with his arms out. Meanwhile, John Tavares, the. 80 million dollar man whatever the hell they gave him guy was sleeping in his maple Leafs pjs when he was a baby <laughs> he's standing there at the blue line looking like an idiot like somebody just stole his lunch money because you know he had to watch brad marshall the other captain go down there and and the game right in front of you and I, it was ugh, as a captain of a team i feel like that's not at all how you should respond to uh to a play like that
0: and it's funny because I know we've we've definitely mentioned it before on on our Maple Leafs tangents but it's just so funny how every single so year here. so many dude but every single year when the Bruins either meet them in the playoffs or or a regular season game like we just saw they always and like we said before they give you that little They don't give you, but they give the Maple Leafs fans a tiny glimmer of hope, where they're like, "Oh my god, like game seven, we have a lead," or or, "Oh my god, we just tied it with four seconds left, like let's go." No, like doesn't matter. Like we're still gonna win. Like
1: Like you're playing with your with your food, you know. Yeah. And um, I, I honestly, I I can't remember the last time that the Bruins played the Maple Leafs where like they didn't. Where like it it didn't come up with like negative talking points in Toronto. Like right. Uh, right now, yes, the the Toronto they had a good comeback, they did a good job to steal a point in that game. But a lot of people are on at least on Twitter are talking about the efforts of John Tavares in that play. And like if he back checked, it probably wouldn't have affected the play at all. Like he Marshawn was way so. ahead. I don't think so. No.
0: Dude, I think he could have caught Marshawn if he was
1: because By the time, like, he was still flat-footed when Marshawn
0: was on his stomach, after he brought Neelator down. Well, the best
1: part of that is, because it's John Tavares, we'll never know. Because he didn't get back. But still, that's a point right there. If that, if maybe he could have prevented the win. And people are talking about that. The last time the Bruins played Toronto and they beat Toronto, people were talking about Tyler Bertuzzi and the whole thing with him laughing on the bench and Ryan (laughs) Reeves being a little bitch in the media after. And like, you can go back. It's like every game that the Bruins play, the Maple Leafs, there's some side plot. There's some side story that suddenly people are talking about. It's like the Bruins go into Toronto or Toronto comes in here. The Bruins take two points and they leave Toronto with all their reporters and a bunch of stories. It's like, it's the most ridiculous thing. And it only happens when Toronto plays
0: Boston. I don't get it, dude. It's because they like, it's the, at this point, like it's not even an an exaggeration anymore. This is just clear cut. This is what it is. They're, they're our little brothers. Like they're literally our little brothers. Like, and they, they try so hard. They try so, so, so hard to beat us and they
1: just can't. I, like, I can't, I'm speaking strictly hockey-wise, I can't think of an aspect of Toronto hockey for, like, the last 12 to 15 years that they've beaten Boston at in anything. I mean, the Bruins regularly finish above them in the standings. I mean, when they play head-to-head, the Bruins win, it seems like, 70 to 80% of the time, and, like, 30% of those wins, the Bruins did what they did last night when they give them a little hope and they go, Nope, I'm taking that right back. They can't beat the Bruins in the playoffs. They take our players and suddenly they become distractions or media shitstorms. Everybody's talking about Tyler Bertuzzi. Uh, Phil Kessel, he had his moments there as well. And it's just, it's, it's funny as a Bruins fan. Like, I don't know. Like, it's, it's always fun playing Toronto because I feel like you know you're not just going to get a hockey game. You're going to get the joys that come out of a win against the Maple Leafs because it always turns into something. You get Steve Dangle's reaction videos of him screaming at the top of his lungs because they can't beat the Bruins. You get to remind yourself just how great this one-sided rivalry is. And, you know, the Bruins are obviously going to play them a lot more this season, and it would be really fun if the Bruins... The Bruins have played the Maple Leafs twice this season. The first time they played them, we just mentioned, was the shitstorm that everybody was talking about in Toronto for like three weeks. The Bruins were gone. They had been playing games. They were still talking about Tyler Bertuzzi laughing on the bench. Ryan Reeves was still answering questions about it. And Keith was still talking about Brad Marshall in the media. They played like three other, like they have a different opponent that night and they're still <laughs> talking about the Bruins. That was the first meeting. This meeting, the Bruins, they give them a little bit of chance in Toronto, in Toronto. Everybody's yeah. jumping. They're going crazy. Austin Matthews, the American uh, assistant captain of the Toronto Maple Leafs scores a goal with three seconds left to push it into overtime. Finally, we're going to get the, Bru- nope. Brad Marchand happened, and John Tavares. <laughs> that's what they're talking about now. Is John Tavares? If if this is the amount of shit that's happened in the two games that the Bruins have played Toronto, could you imagine a seven game series? Oh, could you imagine what would come out of it? The the the, the, the Maple Leafs would get up and move. They would they would <laughs> they would join the KHL. They would get out of town if they had to play the Bruins in a seven game series. And every game went as the last two have gone because it's been a joke this year. So the last
0: time the Toronto Maple the Toronto Maple Leafs beat the Boston Bruins in the regular season was November fifth, two thousand twenty-two, by a score of two to one. So it's not like they blew us out. It's not like any, you know, it's the close tight game. You know, it's, we probably sat our cool best players game. that night. Right, yeah. So that's that. But I mean, Brad Marchand, um obviously caps off Toronto with that win. Um, and do you remember the picture that was snapped when the Bruins were on that losing streak and it was him and Bergeron in the equipment room and they were just talking? Since that meeting, since those since Marshawn and Bergeron met up, the Bruins are three and oh, they have outscored their opponents 10 to four. Marshawn, obviously, with the hat trick against Columbus, he has four goals in
1: two games. That's kind of insane that's kind <laughs> I of nuts. What, I don't know what Bergeron told him but Bergeron should pull aside Derek Forbert and have a talk with him too all
0: of a sudden he becomes Bobby Orr <laughs> <Yeah.
1: Could> you, <laughs> I feel bad man we always pick on Derek Forbert but no he I don't I don't know what he said to him I don't know what I know everybody's saying maybe Bergeron's coming back I don't think there's a no shot in hell that Patrice Bergeron plays another game for the Bruins, and they are in the NHL for that matter. But no, and I, he's—I mean—he scored the last four straight goals for the Bruins. I mean, he single-handedly won them two games by winning the game winner in Toronto, and then scoring a hat trick in a three-to-one game against the Columbus Blue Jackets. I mean, I saw your tweet that the Columbus Blue Jackets game you felt like was um, uh, like his coming out party. Cap, his coming out party as as a captain of this team. Yeah. Like that was his moment. And uh, I saw a lot of people. uh, most people were like, "I think you're right." There was a few people who were like, "What the hell are you talking about?" <laughs> I thought that I thought that it was a great point. I mean, that was that was. Um, I think he's going to have a lot more moments, but in his first season as a captain, twenty games into the season, twenty games into his uh, residency, we'll call it as a Bruins captain, to uh, just swing your thing and just single-handedly beat the Columbus Blue Jackets in that Literally. fashion, a, a natural hat trick. And like the, the way that he was getting his goals was just so demeaning. I can't even imagine <laughs> being on the other side of those, of those goals. <laughs> and that was a big game, too. I mean, obviously, you know it means a little more because they, they just beat you a couple weeks ago. Swayman wants his revenge. You know he wants that game like crazy after getting pulled last time you played Columbus. And no. the captain says, don't worry, guys, I got gotcha. you. Natural hat trick 3-1 win Bruins win back to back. They were on a three game losing streak. that cemented a three game winning streak. Now they get a couple days of rest before they get Buffalo. I mean, stamping the C on that game.
0: I mean, and the thing too, about that is that obviously Spencer Martin, the, well, the, the blue jackets take the early lead one, nothing Spencer Martin is playing like prime Martin Brodeur, just slamming down the door, shutting slamming a shot. And Marshawn gets three goals in the third period. Just one, two, three, back, back, back. And I'm pretty sure it was all in under 10 minutes too. He got three freaking goals in under 10 minutes to win the game for the team. Like, yeah. like you're like, it, it literally was him saying, you know what? Like, this is my, mo- like, I need to do that. Like I'm he actually going actually the wall. He
1: actually got three goals in six minutes. Boom! That's fucking crazy. Because <laughs> <laughs> I remember I was I was trying to tweet about it. I had the picture of him uh, when he's like making the funny like kissing face when he was trying on the Bruins cream jersey when they announced yeah. the jerseys. And yeah, I was like, yeah. Mar- Marshawn scored, so I tweeted a picture of it, and then I like you know I scrolled Twitter for like twenty seconds. I look up. Oh my god, he scored again! And now I gotta tweet the thing again. And then he got the hat trick, and I was like, Jesus Christ! I'll just throw all of them out there. And <laughs> but he was literally like scoring at will, and like you said, the the way that he did it. In a one nothing game, like when when Columbus scored that goal, I was like, "Here we go!" Like, "Here, yep. <laughs> damn it! Here we go again!" I don't, I don't like, I don't like. You know, we can reference the Celtics for a second. They can't beat the Magic. They cannot beat the. I don't know what it is. They can't beat the Magic, and it was like the Bruins just can't beat the blue jackets i guess it is what it is shit i you know, we won't see them in the playoffs because they suck but you know whatever <laughs> when they score the first goal and then uh you know they didn't score in the second and you're like oh shit you know <laughs> what are we do what are we or the the blue Jackets scored in the second sorry but it was like oh god i know third period's rolling around it's still one nothing what the hell are we doing here yeah and then just leave just leave it to brad marshall to answer the call
0: also there was this um you know Jim, so I don't really know how to transition to this, but Jim Montgomery has been making some some weird, you know, uh, lineup changes, lineup moves, you know, taking Beecher out, putting um, Morgan Geeky on that fourth line center spot, which I think people overreacted about anyways. I think, you know, Johnny Beecher, a rookie, playing in his first full NHL season. Montgomery saw something in the past few games that he didn't like, even though he was producing. Um, but he still saw something that was uncharacteristic of him. And obviously, I mean, nobody knows this team better than Jim Montgomery. So if he sees something, he's going to call it out and, and make an adjustment. He does that. Bruins still win. Fourth line still look good. Johnny Beecher got some rest, and now he's ready to go. I think people overreacted to that a little bit. But what were your thoughts on that? Did you think it was... Weird or uncalled for?
1: No, not really. I mean, it seemed like the reason... Uh, I I don't know if Jim Montgomery said it, he might've, and I missed it, but I know people were saying that it was, uh, he, he wasn't playing because like they wanted to see more out of him or whatever. And uh, I mean, I, th- I mean, I thought Johnny Beach has been playing pretty well. And I think that's why yeah. people were like, what, what do you mean? You, you got to expect more of him. He's been playing great. He just had his first career goal in front of his dad the other night. He's been playing well. He's winning a shit ton of face-offs in the fourth line. I mean, yes. what more can you yeah. ask out of the guy? And suddenly he was scratched. And I think people were freaking out about that. But I mean, at the same time, he's a 20, 24 year old rookie. Like it's right, okay. Right. Like he doesn't have to play every night. He's a guy who probably wasn't even slotted into that fourth line center spot in the middle of the summer. He had a strong preseason and he earned his spot. Like that's, I'm with you. Like, I think it was just the kind of like, Hey, you know, we're going to shake things up, plan Toronto. You're going to take a night off, you know, you're, and it was one of those things. And I thought that he played well against Columbus. Right? He clearly bounced back and this isn't like, it's not a foreign concept of players getting, a healthy scratch I mean Jake DeBron's got a healthy Scratch he clearly has no ill will um, Jeremy Swimming got pulled I mean he responded with a shutout Like these things clearly work and, and I don't think I think people were overreacting Thinking that oh my god he's in Jim Montgomery's Doghouse or oh you know what's going On no I mean players get scratched You got to rotate guys to line up and for the Bruins they're loaded in their in like Their bottom so they got some crazy winger Depth in Providence and coming up through the system And on this team right now too so I didn't think anything too much of it
0: yeah, no, I, I'm with you 100%. Like, you know, he's not going to play 82 games. What's I Like, I do understand maybe people being a little confused as to why it was against Toronto and not Columbus. But, I mean, again, Montgomery does have his reasons. Um, but I didn't think it was weird. He's not going to play all 82 games. Give him a mental break. Let him kind of recalibrate and watch from a distance and be <laughs> like, okay, like, this is what I'm doing well and this is kind of what I'm seeing from – you know, my wingers, when they're playing, looking at it from a bird's eye view, maybe he's getting a different perspective and he's going to be able to adjust accordingly.
1: Let me ask you this. How do you feel about the the Patra benches? Because he's been benched a couple times now.
0: I had that next on my notes. So, again, I think people are overreacting. Um, he's a 19 year old rookie, wasn't even expected to make this lineup. Right. He's. Probably he probably hasn't earned a hundred percent of the trust from the coaching staff, right? To be on the ice to close games out, right? That that's probably what it is. And I have a I have a quote from Montgomery, um, right here actually. So <clears throat> I believe it was he got like maybe two shifts in the third period. Um, it's a you know to, in that Toronto game, and Montgomery's quote is this: "It's an opportunity to watch and grow and learn." You know, it was a situation where we had a three to two lead with whatever it was, eight minutes left. And we're going to go with the guys that have been that have tried and true. What did he just say? We're going (laughs) to we're going to go with the guys that have been tried and true before. And he's got to sit there and watch if he gets the opportunity and he will. He's got to do the right things without the puck to be able to be out there. So it's a learning experience. He's 19.
1: Yeah, I think that was the key part there. The last little bit there, without the puck, that I think yes. he needs to work on. I think he's been great. Um, oh, I just sorry, my hands are sweating. My my camera, I just it's all jacked up now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, no, he's been great offensively. He's been able to drive play at times. He's obviously scored a couple of goals. He's creative with the puck, but he's struggled uh, defensively. I think that he he had a couple bad turnovers. I believe it was the game against Detroit, I go back to, when he had that terrible turnover right in front of the net that Detroit ended up scoring off. And that's a bit of an extreme example. He's not making turnovers like that every night. But if you follow him during the play, he's not always in the best position. He's leaving guys open. And that happens. He's 19 years old. But I think one of the big things, too, is he – he kind of sucks in the face-off thought he's a yeah. winning face-offs at a 43% clip right now this season, which isn't great. It's not terrible. It's not, I don't okay. I shouldn't have said it sucks, but it's not great, especially understanding be being a rookie. Could be better, improved. But, yeah. yeah. And I, th- I think what we've seen from her centerman here, uh, obviously Patrice Bergeron is a fantastic at winning the, the face up. Jesus Christ. Fantastic. In the <laughs> face off dot. uh, Paul Zock is a good face-off man. No was great last year as her fourth line center. Yeah. And, uh, and, Patra struggles right right now at a winning face-off. So I think between that and I think there's times he can kind of just drift around in the neutral zone. And, and there's just parts of his game that he needs to work on. But that comes with being a rookie. I mean, 20 games into your career. And we've talked about this before. He's not like other rookies. Like Johnny Beecher steps in. He's had four or five years in Providence to hone his craft at playing, you know, get used to the professional speed. Patra was playing in Ontario in the OHL like seven months ago. So it, right. it's, it's a learning curve. It's going to come, but uh, cause I noticed he's been getting benched for like entire third periods, like 20 minute chunks he's sitting, um, yeah. which I think like surface level, like you said, you see that and you go, Oh shit. But when I think when you kind of rationalize it, birds eye view, there's parts of his game he has to work on. I'm sure Patra knows that. And it's not like, you know, Bruce Cassidy's here anymore and he's just, you know, what the way the goddamn thing, you know, like yelling at the guys, like, and not that Bruce Cassidy ever did that, but you can tell he's more of a stern guy, (laughs) complete opposite. I'm sure he did (laughs) complete opposite in terms of how him, how he and Jim Montgomery treats the young guys. And like, you know, in the locker room, like Jim Montgomery is probably pulling them aside, coaching them up, saying all the right things. So I wouldn't worry about it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's just, this is what we have. The Bruins haven't had a rookie class like they do this year in a very long time. And I think, people are just kind of not used to developing players while they're actually with the team. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah. Like I feel like, um, and like rightfully so, a player gets benched or a player gets scratched and you immediately think, oh my God, what did he do wrong? Oh, this guy's right. really struggling or he's sucking. But, you know, I think it's telling that the guys, I mean, outside like Dayton High and these other guys who are coming in and out of the lineups, like the guys who are getting benched for the most part are your young guys, Patra. Yep. Johnny Beecher. I mean, you obviously Jake DeBrusque is a vet at this point and it's different with goalies, but I mean, those are your two, the only two guys really in, in Beecher and uh Patra who have gotten benched mid game or who've been a significant healthy scratch that people are talking about. And of course those are your two rookies. So that's how you bring these guys on. I know yeah. like Leo Carlson, for example, was playing every other game in, in Anaheim. He was a second overall pick. Like that's, you gotta you gotta bring these on these guys on a certain way. You can't just throw them out there every night and expect them to to figure it out.
0: Right. And um, talking about obviously kind of relying on on older guys in those moments, right, where maybe some of the younger guys are kind of slipping. I think somebody who deserves some praise right now is Danton Heinen. Danton Heinen right now. He's got eight points through 16 games. He's got three points in his last five games. Uh, He's playing big minutes for the team lately. Uh, He's solid with his 200-foot game. Um, Obviously, you get him at at a very, very, very team-friendly price. And by the way, right now, Danton Heinen has eight 5v5 points. Tyler Bertuzzi has seven. I think what's Bertuzzi's contract like five and a half million
1: something like that. Yeah. Danton <laughs> Heinen is like seven hundred and fifty thousand. I have I have Bertuzzi stats in front of me. Can you just read through Dan Heinen's stats one more time? Ah, uh, yes. Danton Heinen this year sixteen games played,
0: three goals, five assists, eight points, and he has three points in his last five games.
1: Compared to the five and a half million dollar man, Tyler Bertuzzi, twenty two games played, so six more games. Five goals, four assists, nine points. So, <laughs> uh,
0: I just I just stumbled across something crazy as well. What? So Danton Heinen has three goals on the season, right? Mm-hmm. How many shots on goal do you think he has? Is it three? It's four. Oh my god! <laughs> do we have a, pretty good. A, a sniper.
2: <laughs> At league minimum,
1: you know, I always, I always think about it all the time. Connor McHinen. I think, <laughs> I think of the great snipers: Austin Matthews, Alex Ovechkin, Mario, Steven Amin. Stamkos, Dan Heiden. Yeah, Mount Mount Rushmore, and S- and not to be that guy, but Alex Ovechkin, five goals in twenty two games. So yeah,
0: listen. Somebody has to call the NHLPA immediately. Like someone call the cops because Don Sweeney and Cam Neely freaking just set this
2: guy up for a for a hose down. I don't know. That is not the right. (laughs) What does that even mean? I don't know. It just came
0: out. But But you know what I'm saying, though. It's I just made up a new phrase. Danton Heinen is getting hosed. He needs to make like somebody set up a GoFundMe. Somebody should be buying him lunch, breakfast, dinner, snacks. Get him anything that you that he wants. We, as a city and as a fan base, we owe
1: this man. And you know what's crazy too is that he, for the first couple weeks of the season, he was just like living in a hotel. Right. He wasn't even on the team. And you know he didn't why? Even know who he even knows he was staying. Said, because Don Sweeney said, "Listen, we might have a spot for you." So just hang around Boston. And you know what Dan Heinen said? Okay. And that's <laughs> what he did. He didn't he didn't talk to any other teams. He didn't go practice with other teams. He didn't have any other 10 days, no open tryouts, nothing. He sat by his phone and he waited for Don Sweeney to give him a call and say, come play for the Boston Maroons. We need you. And that's what Sweeney did. And this is what you're being rewarded with. Yep. I don't know. I think it, it it's a hose down. I'll agree with you. I don't know. What it really,
0: I don't necessarily know why that flew out of my mouth, but it works and it makes sense. So <laughs> we're going to go with it. Does it? Um, I think so. He's getting, he's getting the hose down, dude. I don't know, <laughs> but, but um, yeah, so that was the last three games, obviously since our last recording, a much more positive episode this week than last week. Um, last week was depressing. And as we said before, our first show in this you know in in our show's history where the team stunk so it was a little weird <laughs> but but um i think at this time too we can jump into the voicemails and the dms and i know we did get a couple of voicemails
1: we did we have I just look i think we have four of them
0: hell yeah let me play them um... not not just lovel this time so lovel That's somebody's right. challenging you for the crown right now dude we have a new guest also we'll play, we'll- also, sorry. Sh- shout out to Louisville right now because it's his first year in the USPS, you know, gang, and he's going through busy season right now. So I, I, I know what he's feeling because I'm feeling it too. And shout out to all hey. the uh, postal
1: workers out there. We're with you, Louisville. Stay you know strong. What?
0: And FedEx and UPS
1: and all the other delivery people out there. Shout out to you. Shout out to all the real Santas. Have you seen the how much money UPS drivers make? Yeah, it's crazy. It- what are you doing at the USPS? Loyalty. Ready? <laughs> That's right. You you can't put a price on loyalty, baby. You can't. You can't. US UPS, they're a bunch of sellouts. They're cool. They, yeah. they don't they don't know what it's like, the grit and grime of being a United States postal service worker. No, they hate America. <laughs> <laughs> Can we confirm? <laughs> if
0: you're working for UPS right now, let us know. Do you hate America? Yeah, you got you commie
1: bastards. What are you doing working for UPS and not the postal service? You
0: can me you guys wear brown and white. I wear red, white, and blue
1: baby.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> Alright, ready? Yeah. Oh god, hang on. Lobo, Lobo left three of them. Here's the first one.
2: No, period going for on in our own zone that could be out. fix that. I don't know how they uh, work on that, but uh, yeah, we got to fix that. Can't keep
0: doing that. We can't keep doing that. All right. So you touched on them not being able to clear the puck out.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Uh, we we talked a little bit, but just. Uh, I don't know. I don't know what the hell. I don't know if they got to do some su- some sprints or something. I don't know if they got to go up and down the ice a couple times and get it through their no. skulls, how to clear the puck out. But no, no, it's no. It's become a bit of a problem.
0: Yes. No, Montgomery just has to go out onto the ice with a spatula and hit Grizzly Stat in the head with the puck. <laughs> <laughs> That's a, I love. I that wasn't a shot at like Grizzlick or anything. I like. I, I love Grizzlick's dad. He seems like the coolest dude. But just to kind of <laughs> to throw back to our earlier conversation,
1: have you seen the videos that um, the Bruins been putting out on TikTok when they like oh. interviewed like the dads? And they have to like share a secret about each their kid. I don't yeah, remember that, if we talked about this or not. Did you see Patra's dad?
0: Yeah, but Grizzlick's dad is a legend, though. He seems like the. I would love to go have a drink with that guy.
1: Oh yeah. Hang on. I want to find, I had it saved on my phone. Oh yeah. Here's Potra's dad. If you, I I don't remember if we played this or not. I want to play it again if we did, but Potra's dad, and it was making the rounds on Twitter because Potra's dad just absolutely cooked his son. Like for (laughs) no reason at all. Everybody, they're asking all the dads on the team, like what's, you know, what's uh? tell us a secret about your kid or or what's something about your son that uh, most people wouldn't know. And uh, like Shattenkirk's dad I think it was Shattenkirk's dad Was like oh like Kevin is actually a huge Yankees fan Like oh yeah And uh, and, like they made a joke With like somebody Who was like a a big Like a big fan Of like some movie character Or something And then this is what Matt Potcher's dad said
2: I'm Matt Matt's dad Uh, Fun fact about Matt Uh, He still seems to Even after making the Bruins Still lives off of myself And my wife Uh, (laughs) The car he has is ours
0: he tends not to pay insurance.
2: surprised he even pays for gas. To be honest, uh, but that's
1: that's him in a nutshell. Like just <laughs> coming for your coming for your kid's neck, dude. <laughs> so, and it was and I saw on Twitter because the Bruins are doing the uh, you know the holiday shopping and everything. Yeah. And it was it was uh, Patra and. Oh, it might have been like Carlo or Lindholm or somebody. They were in like Target and they had a full cart filled with stuff. And Pacha was pushing the cart, and everybody was like, "Oh, his parents pay for? It? Oh, his parents getting <laughs> that for Christmas? <laughs> They're making fun of him. It was hilarious. But I thought that was funny. All right, here's uh, here's next voicemail.
2: For anybody that uses the Nestle app, uh, hey. I'm really glad to have Nessun back in the life, okay? But holy shit, the fucking, the fucking ass, fuck. If it gets <laughs> around. You can probably hear it in the background right now. It just keeps looping, and then, you know, it, it just cuts to the life. Sheet. Like, they don't pick that. That's another thing they've got to pick. They don't Make Nessun great again. Let's <laughs> <damn thing. laughs>
0: So let me, let me say this, let me say this really quick. So first of M-N-G-A. all, so, so, so shout out to Louisville. Cause in the, in the very, very, very baby stages of this podcast, he was known as Mr. West Virginia cause he couldn't get Nesson down to West Virginia. And we were starting a petition to get it down there for him. It didn't work out, but I am actually moving By this time next week, I will be completely gone. I'll be in an apartment. I will be completely out of my house. I will be on my own. And I don't know how I'm going to watch these games without the app. So if the app is really as bad as everybody is saying it is, I. Might just have to drain my bank account and go to every home game instead, because I'm not going to be I will lose my mind. If you go to every home game, I know somebody who'll join you. Well, look at us. We're gonna, we're gonna be freaking asking Phil Esposito, that scalping <laughs> ticket person out there, for tickets every night.
1: But, Wait, are you, are you, how do you watch the game now? Oh, on cable. Right on cable. Yeah, yeah. You have cable in the new apartment. I don't want to pay for cable. The only time I ever turn my TV on is to watch freaking the Bruins. That's it. That's true. Well, that's, and that's what pisses me off because we've been talking about cutting the cord, Jesus, cutting the cord at my house too, you know, getting rid of cable. And right. uh, we were talking like, what are we going to lose? And we were like really nothing. Cause everything has a streaming service now. And I was like, Oh no, we're going to lose Nesson. Yeah. And then, um, the Nesson, like to get a Nesson account, it's like 30 bucks. That's the other thing. Like, their so streaming service is What am I made of money at that? At 30 bucks, I'll just go to the game. Like that's ridiculous. The amount of money right. they're charging. So you can watch the Bruins, the Red Sox and Charlie Moore outdoors every day for 30 <laughs> bucks a month. Don't, don't forget about dining playbook. <laughs> oh God, how could I forget? It <laughs> sucks. Like that's ridiculously overpriced, but that's what people yeah. have to do. So good luck but, with the but, app or whatever you're going to the- do.
0: The thing is I have not heard a single positive thing about the Nessa app. All I've heard is that the audio tends to suck, like what Lovel just said, the 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 video seems to skip around and it's like I'm I, I'm going to
1: lose my mind. Like I'm not no, going to it's my whole life now. It's like it's like we're watching the fall of the Roman Empire in front of oh, our yeah. It all it, it all started right think about the Bruins like 2010 I think they still had it in 2011 the old score thing this where it, the stripe that went all the way across the screen at the top yeah classic it, when it was black with like the little orange tint on it it was like a bit of a grid that thing was sick and yeah. then they changed it to the little box which looks stupid and shout out Ethan I think it was Ethan my friend Ethan Moriarty who I went to Chili's with who sent me now that um uh Pitts the Pittsburgh Penguins are owned by John Henry, who also owns Nesson. If yeah. you watch if you watch a Pittsburgh Penguins game on their local network, they have the exact same box that's on Nesson. Like the exa- it looks so it's like what is it's like uh, Groundhog Day. Like, why is Pittsburgh looking at a, watching a Nesson feed? It was weird. So it's it happened when they changed the the little the score box and then they changed their logo to this monstrosity that it is now the classic like ticket when yeah, it said Nesson yeah. that I mean that is like put it in the hall of fame of logos like that yeah. was rare air that Nesson logo and now they have this bullshit that looks like it's like a Xerox logo. Like I'm shot I open the Nesson app to buy a printer. Like that's what it seems like I'm doing. And uh and just those two things have it's been the downfall of Nesson. 30 bucks now for a streaming service. The app is buggy. It's I it sucks our,
0: our announcer is broken like what, yeah what dude make
1: Nesson great again
0: <laughs> make Nesson this is we we'll just make Nesson great again because whatever happened to it dude because remember like with that old ticker that they had right remember it had like the there were like dots on it too it made it look like a spotlight almost um yeah. every time somebody would score it would create like a cool animation like
1: what whatever happened like why is everything so simplistic it's so boring i don't know i hate it you know what would be cool if the bruins for uh and forgive me uh, you and i we didn't watch the bruins in the 50s 60s 70s 80s or 90s because we weren't born yet we were we weren't alive so i don't know what it was like to watch a game on tv then but it would have been cool if they could somehow do for like the centennial season like uh like, every time they wear the cream jerseys at home, for example, they play an original six team, they can change the broadcast to make it look like it's old or something. You know, like, when they had, like, the Big Bad Bruins. Like, when I was at the game against the 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 Canadians, because they, they're doing, I think it's five different uh, era nights, and that was the Big Bad Bruins era. So if they could change, like, the little, like, score oh. box on the screen to what it would have looked like in the 70s, like, I don't know. That could have been kind of cool. And I would have loved when they did the, uh, the 2000, the 2000, 12 era when we would have got like the vintage Nesson logo and all that. I don't know. That would would have been cool if they could do something like that because it's cool that they're obviously doing everything on the ice and with the jerseys and with the franchise, with the organization. But like Nesson is part of that too. I mean, that's been a huge part of how like the community has been able to follow and watch the Bruins forever. So they should have done something special too.
0: I just, I just don't know why, like, what is, I want to know the, the, the thought process and the reasoning behind having such a boring little score box. Like, like we want, like, this is as much as it, you know, is, is a sport or, or like our lives, like it's entertainment, like make, make every aspect of the, of the, of the broadcast of the product as entertaining and as unique and as cool as possible.
1: I can't believe we're forgetting about the pregame intro that they would do. Like when the game's about the star and it shows like the Zaycom Bridge and Marco Sturm is like standing over, like he's Godzilla standing over the Zaycom Bridge. And then (laughs) then they would show like TD Garden and they would like, like Tim Thomas is there and he sticks his glove up and catches the puck. Like when they did that whole like montage of the Bruins as Giants around Boston. Why did they stop doing that?
0: Do they not do that anymore? Is it just the, like the little, the music and the like, whatever the live camera is showing?
1: I because don't think I th- they do that anymore. Do I they? feel
0: like they I feel like
1: they have an intro.
0: But the fact that we don't even know just shows that if they do, it's not as good as it yeah. used to
1: be. Like if you watch and I keep referencing 2010 because the other day there was a the Bruins were Nesson was replaying a 2010 game between the Bruins and the Montreal Canadiens. And it was prime Jack Edwards. And they had the whole intro with like the one I just said when it had Tim Thomas catching the puck and it's like they tossed the puck at this guy and said okay catch it and suddenly he's like standing over the TD garden and they would yeah. have like David David I think it was David Krejci like walking across like the freaking Charles River or some shit when it's frozen yeah. like they had oh like this God. whole yeah. they had this I just unlocked the core memory like they had like yeah. this whole cool it was like it was a production it was a cool thing and uh, they had the old Nesson scoreboard and the old Nesson logo and then to your point now we get today and everything is just so Simplistic, and I think that maybe they they thought that um, getting you know like shrinking the size of the score box because now you can see the whole ice instead of having this bar go you know cut off part of the screen. Maybe they thought it would be for a better uh, viewing experience, but I don't know. I like a production. That's why I like watching football on TV instead of going yeah. to the game because you get to see all the little animations and you get to see the details and you get to see the production of it. And I feel like we don't get that anymore from Nessun. And e- whoa, and even if I don't even know why my light just went off. Um, But even if, like,
0: thinking about it, right, because, like you said, like, um, making the score bug or scoreboard, whatever you call it, as minimal as possible so that you can see more of the actual on ice product or whatever. Okay, like, that's fine. I understand that logic and that actually does make sense. But. If you're gonna do that, don't make the scoreboard black and white. Like at least make it interesting to look yeah, at Yeah, it's like but like black and gray. It's ugly right. as hell. Like put the team colors in, in correspondence to the abbreviation. Like obviously the Bruins would be yellow, and then say you're playing the Blackhawks, and the Blackhawks abbreviation is highlighted red. in red. Yeah. Like just make it in like make it interesting. I don't need to I don't need it to be so boring.
1: Yeah. And, my light and- came back. And like for a couple of guys like us, like we're not known for having big brain ideas. And I feel like no. we've been spitting for the last ten minutes. Like I feel like somebody should clip this and send it to Jack Edwards. DM him on. I don't know because I feel like we have some pretty good ideas. We're brainstorming here. I ho- I hope that Gail
0: can yeah, that's this, this part of the episode. And just send it to Ness and you know yeah, just uh, higher ups.
1: Put it in like in, in a manila envelope and just slide it under a door. You don't have to be involved at all. Just get this to the guy or the or the woman who is in charge of making these decisions. And we'll see how far we can take it.
0: <laughs> and, make, and then make sure
1: you stamp classifying with a big red marker on, <laughs> on the manila folder. <laughs> and don't forget to include changing uh, Blade's name to Beans into yep. hanging Jack Edwards suit jacket in the rafters. Those as well as Craig different. Smith, as well as Craig Smith. Of course, how could we forget? Yes. Yeah. All right. Here is Lovel's. That went on a bit of a tangent. Here is Lovel's <laughs> last voicemail. not really a question. Just a beef I have with my mom. Dude, I was
2: at work today, and she texted me, and she's like, "Hey, I uh, I won Bruins tickets. Do you want them?" And I I was at work, uh, you know. Running around getting the parcels out. Hell yeah! Um, I didn't answer at time apparently, because I went back in my phone, and uh, about ten minutes later she was like, "Never mind, Dad's going." And I was like, "Yo, no!" Hey, you don't do that to me, mom Fucked up. Freebie
1: no, tickets?
2: No. Uh, no freebie tickets?
1: Ten. <laughs> ten. And you know what? When your mom gets old and she's in a retirement home, she'll know why. It's because of this right here, because she screwed you <laughs> out of these tickets <laughs> and gave it to
0: When was was that, That's when was that voicemail? Because what game was that for? That was
1: on Sunday, so that was against the Blue Jackets.
0: So he could have seen Marshawn's hat trick. Oh yeah! Oh, listen, you have to put your mom on sabbatical. This isn't—that's not fair. Listen, listen, listen. You need a okay. There needs to be an embargo against your mom right now. Christmas (laughs) is coming up. Christmas is coming up, right? You get you. This is what you got to do. You have to pull a Michael Scott get a nice box and gift wrap it. But inside is just a rock.
1: <laughs> no, something, or you know what, you something like that. Get her tickets to something that she really wants to see, whatever it is. And, uh, <laughs> at the so last weird. minute, tell her that you're going with me and Sully instead. And the yeah. three of us will go and we'll send her pictures and we'll have a great time. But, uh, no, you know what? Honestly, she was probably just looking out for people in your community because clearly they needed their parcels and they needed to get their mail. Yes. Yep. And, um, Damn, 10 minutes. I can't even imagine the, the f- going from the highest of highs to lowest of lows in such a short amount of time like that.
0: Yeah, I mean, I don't, God damn. If, if people were that quick to switch up on me, I mean, I don't really answer my phone for like seven hours sometimes. Yeah,
1: I've noticed. <laughs> <laughs> but I'll be on Twitter, though. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I texted you. I texted you something. Uh... Oh, wait, what did I say the other day when you weren't texting me back? <laughs> Hang on, let me find it. I What's was I was the game uh, on Thursday. No. Oh, I just straight up said answer I said answer my F and text. There was another <laughs> time there was another time too when like I, I, I texted you. I, I think it was you. I texted you something and you didn't answer for a couple hours. So then I, I replied and I said I would text you back and I said I said and then I just copied and paste the entire text. I, said, <laughs> I remember I remember and then you answered one. me back. Um <laughs> Jesus. All right, I'm yeah, sorry I'm about terrible. that level of that. That sucks. All yeah, right, we got one mobile. more. We got one more voicemail. Not not from Lobel this time. Ooh. Oh, hang on. Oh, I'm hitting all the rock buttons. Oh, boy. Uh, Mike going in.
2: Hey, guys, this is uh, Mike going in from uh, Guilford, Connecticut. Got a little question for you. Uh, not necessarily Bruins related, but uh, college hockey related. Um, there's been a lot of fun recently with... Uh, the potential of Quinnipiac joining Hockey East. Um, Mm. I just wanted to see what your thoughts were on that. Do you think that's practical? Do you think Quinnipiac can compete with, uh, you know, BC, BU, Maine, those teams uh, every year, you know, multiple times a year? Um, Yeah, I just wanted to get what your thoughts were on that stuff. And uh, also another question, um, who do you think is going to win Hockey East this year? Hockey East has been pretty uh, competitive this year. Quinnipiac's played them. A number of times already And uh, and mixed reviews Mixed uh, results on both
1: sides So I don't know what your thoughts are So If you're wondering why I'll let you go first because you're the QU If you're wondering why he was asking So much about Quinnipiac That is because that is my college roommate The Michael, I won't say his last name But he is a Quinnipiac season Ticket holder, when I went to the game uh, Like a month ago against Yale He was the one who got the tickets um, and he asks us all the time, why don't you talk about college hockey? And I say, what's the name of the show? That's why we don't talk about college hockey. But I always say, if you call in, you leave a voicemail, and you ask us about Quinnipiac or college hockey, then we'll talk about it. Um, so he said, Quinnipiac, Quinnipiac might be moving to hockey east. I did not know that. I Did you hear that? I didn't hear that either, but I love it. I No, I didn't hear that either. But, um, I mean, first of all, right off the bat, as a – Quinnipiac alum and fan of the hockey team, I have mixed feelings. I love it because they'll be getting bigger spotlight. They're playing the best teams in the country seemingly every single night. Um, I also am kind of like, eh, because they're not going to run the table anymore because in ECAC it's pretty much Quinnipiac and uh, Cornell is okay. They're not great this year and like that's pretty much it. There's a reason they call it a farmer's league and there's a reason all the Big Ten teams are talking so much shit about Quinnipiac last year just to then get smacked on their way to the natty because Quinnipiac any good teams really because they're in uh, ECAC, which I get it. So, if they were to move to Hockey East, immediate reputation bump as if their reputation would get bumped up enough last year winning the national championship. But playing BC every night, BU, UNH, Providence like the teams that are in Hockey East are like they're the real deal. I mean, it's it's arguably the best conference in all of college hockey and it's one of the most electric too. Like, it gets huge buzz in the Northeast. Nobody talks about the ECAC, at least in Massachusetts. Which I'm sure they might talk about it more in Connecticut. I, the only time I was I was living in Connecticut, I was living at Quinnipiac, so I know everybody was talking about Quu. But if you were to drive like an hour north, to like Hart or in Hartford, I don't know if they're talking about Quinnipiac hockey as much around there. But um, I know Quinnipiac would get a lot more reputation around these parts, and I think it would be really cool too. Like thinking about Quinnipiac's kind of emergence. Like I think it says a lot about. Rand Pecknold because when he became coach of the team, they weren't even D1. So he took them into division one hockey. He then took them into new branding they were Quinnipiac college. And then became the Quinnipiac university Bobcats. They weren't called that until Rand Pecknold came here. And then he made them uh, a division one hockey team. And then he made them a respectable team that was finally winning games. And then he got them a new stadium. They were practicing every single night at the local high school at 10 o'clock at night, like twice a week college hockey team that was their practice schedule when rand Pecknold started out at quinnipiac from then he then brought them into a champion of the ecac then he brought them into a team that qualified for the playoffs then he brought them into a team that made it to their first ever frozen four and then last year he brought them into a team that won a national championship so over the whole course of his career he literally started coaching quinnipiac from nothing and built them in to a national championship. And now I think that this would just be another feather in his cap, having this team go from the ECAC, one of the worst conferences in college hockey to hockey East, arguably the best, I think would just be like another incredible thing that Rem Peknold has done, not just for Quinnipiac, but I think for college hockey, they could make a movie about this guy's life. They and, could. Uh, and I would love it. I would love it. I think it you you'd be seeing the best of college hockey every single night. I think for Mike, I know he just said he works in Guilford. I know where he where he lives, but I won't dox him. He does live in Connecticut, and I think it might not be great for him thinking about traveling to all those games all over Massachusetts and New Hampshire and Rhode Island. But I mean, the level of hockey you'd be seeing every single night. I. I'm excited if that's what happens for Quinnipiac. I think that's what they deserve. I think that they're finally getting some respect, which sounds ridiculous because like I feel like people hear me talk about Quinnipiac saying get respect, and they're like, shut up. They just won the national championship. Nobody from Massachusetts, nobody unless you're like tuned into college hockey, you still don't know what Quinnipiac is. It's it still happens now where I go to I'm like I'm wearing a Quinnipiac something or whatever, and I'm making small talk, and they go, oh, what school do you go to? And I say, oh, Quinnipiac. Oh, in Worcester. No, that's Quinn Sigman. It's a totally different school. Not even <laughs> like it happens, it happens all the time. And um, like I feel like we're watching in real time, like Quinnipiac become a, a powerhouse school in the world of college athletics. And I think yeah. Quinnipiac joining Hockey East would would just be another way of doing that.
0: Yeah, I, I, uh, I mean, college hockey right now too is. I would say maybe it's just me because I'm more in tune with this world now. I wasn't really in tune with the college hockey world too much up until maybe like a year or two ago, but I feel like it's more popular than ever. The The players and the development and the skill in that league in hockey East, in, in just D one college hockey in general is far above and beyond what it's ever been. I mean, name the players, Eichel, Onger, Swayman, um, Celebrini right now. Um, Adam Fantilli. There's just, there's, so many. Actually, no. Adam Fantilli didn't play in hockey East, but either way, there's so much talent. I feel like adding another team to hockey East, a team that just won a national title, um, it'll only increase the interest, at least in New England. Obviously, having it be hockey East, it'll increase in, increase interest, viewership um, in, in college hockey. I love it. Um, I think Quinnipiac deserves it, like you just said. With with uh, Pat, what's his what's his uh, last name? Ram Pecknold Ram Pecknold obviously with all the work that he's put into the program like they deserve it I think Um, they have a talented enough team they have a talented enough program there's enough interest around the school to support it Um, and also too if you put them in Hockey East it's just another team to to draw more players into Um, what's it called when you you bring a player in for your team Um, transfer no, not transfer. Whatever, the, the more players will pick that team to go to. Like, there's more options. It's more recruit. Recruit, yeah. You'll bring the, the recruitment numbers will go up. Thank you. Um, so, I think it's a good idea, and I love it. And also, my pick for to win Hockey East, I'm gonna say easy pick right now is BC. I still, I still like
2: BU.
1: Yeah, and uh, I think BU is a good pick. I'm. I'm I'm still riding with BC. Those are the. I mean, I feel like those are the two easy picks. They're the two yeah. obvious picks, but I I like they're they're just so loaded. They're so good. Those two teams. I'm happy that yeah. Boston hockey is good again. But the last thing I did want to say about Quinnipiac too is that you know for the national championship, like I can't begin to explain how big that was for the school. Because um, Quinnipiac, uh, their their women's rugby team, I believe, three peated national champs. Hey yo. Um, we've had a couple national champions, but um, obviously college hockey is the heartbeat of that school. That's why they have the multi-million dollar stadium. I mean, people come from far and away to watch Quinnipiac hockey. And when I say far and away, I mean, everybody's from Connecticut. People don't come from that far, but um, (laughs) it's, it's, it's the heartbeat of the school. It's what drives everything. It's what keeps the doors open. And, um, you know, I think for them to uh, get the notoriety and for them to win the national championship last year was huge. I mean, the amount of, at people who are because Quinnipiac is not a big school, the amount of applications that they're they're receiving, the funding, they're building new dorms, a new campus, a new dorm, and a new um, uh, learning center of uh, what's the word? Uh, building where classrooms are. Yeah. <laughs> whatever sure. you want, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they're building the, that. Like
0: it's what is this a school for ants? <laughs> the center for children who can't read good. Whatever it's, the hell it is, is a. It's, uh, Derek Zuland is school for children who can't <laughs> read good.
1: <laughs> but uh, no, but I mean, I think that that was big for the school, and and I think moving to ECAC where they're playing the the biggest the biggest college hockey organizations in the country, every. You know, almost every night. I mean that it's huge for the school. Cause I mean, you look at them now and like no disrespect to the teams that are in the ECAC, but they're 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 not good. Like they're not ranked, they're not big schools, they don't have a storied hockey program. Um, the only Yeah, I think the only one that's really competitive, I'm sure Mike will probably check me on this, but I can only think of Cornell. I mean, off the top of my head. Um, but I, I would love a move to the to Hockey East that would get me excited. But this year. Because Kootenay is not in Hockey East this year, I'm I'm still rolling with uh, BC.
0: Yeah. Um. So jump. Thanks for the voicemails. Uh, shout out to Chris. Shout out to Mike. Um, we're jumping into the DMs here.
1: Uh, we Got one from Jack. We did. Oh, start with Jack. Start with Jack. friend's from across the pond. He chimed in. He said, "Hey guys." First of all, I don't actually think many of us know what Thanksgiving is over here. We just know it's a kind of pre-Christmas meal that happens in the states. For those of you who might not have listened to the last handful of episodes, Jack is from the United Kingdom. I believe he's from England. He said, "However, massive kudos to you guys for Wait, adding black frit." Isn't that isn't that the United Kingdom? Yeah, England is part of the United Kingdom.
0: Oh, okay. I thought you said the opposite. My bad. My bad. Wait, what do you?
1: What did you think I said?
0: I thought you said that um England wasn't a part of the United Kingdom.
1: Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought I was I was going to I thought you I thought you didn't know what the United Kingdom was and I was going to ask you what it was and I was going to enjoy having Jack listen to it. No, it's um, like where the Lord of the Rings are from. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> no, you no, no, you're thinking of uh United Kingdom is when you go through the dresser in the room and behind the s- sweaters and uh, it's like Narnia. There we go.
0: Oh, okay, okay. I got it's you. like so,
1: Canada. It doesn't actually exist. So it's fake, okay. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm sure he won't get any heat for that one. Yeah. <laughs> okay, he said, hey guys, first of all, I don't actually think many of us know what Thanksgiving is over here. We just know it's a kind of pre-Christmas meal that happens in the States. However, massive kudos to you guys for adding Black Friday onto it because we snapped that up with zero hesitation. Reading the comments on your pod announcement tweet, I saw Island Stew say you guys don't get Boxing Day. Is this true? Spoiler Jack, that is true. I have no idea what Boxing Day is. He said, "gets on the street and they just fight each other." (laughs) (laughs) He said, "Bruins from the week beating the eighty-one million dollar down the drain San Jose Sharks isn't something we should get too carried away with, but let's celebrate Sway getting his eleventh shutout in his one hundredth game, giving him a shoot a shutout percentage of just over ten percent. That's actually crazy. I did not know that." Leafs game is obviously the standout of the week with my boy slash professional bench warmer Ryan Reeves proving before the game that our captain Marshawn is still living rent free in his head by saying he likes telling me he makes a lot more than I do. He must like playing hockey more than Big Revo, too, as well, because the big man probably has the same ice time for the Leafs as the Zamboni drivers this season. <laughs> luckily, for, <laughs> luckily for Marshall, the professional bench, bench warmer was fittingly benched for the final 40 minutes of the game. So shout out Sheldon Keith for taking Marshy's well being into consideration. <laughs> in honor of the endless Nylander points week, the Leafs fans were so buzzed over at the beginning of the season. Can we please give him the secondary assist for the game winning goal in overtime just to appease them? <laughs> Oh god, can we also appreciate the sharks having the same regulation, the same amount of regulation wins as the Leafs? Long live the Maple Sharks. Finally. (laughs) The Maple Sharks. (laughs) It was nice to get some revenge on the Blue Jackets, but again, not a team worth celebrating beating really. Question mm. this week is inspired by the Leafs ineptitude at winning and regulation. If you could change the overtime format in the playoffs from endless five on five until there is a winner, what would you change it to? I'd like the idea of an, of an initial five on five, but every five to 10 minutes, each team loses a player of their choice until you've got just the goalies out there. All <laughs> the, the community you guys have created out here. Cheers. First Thanks, of all, man. let's, let's, let's go back to the beginning. Okay. He said, first of all, I don't actually think many of us know what Thanksgiving is over here. Thanksgiving is the, uh, the epitome of American holidays. It all started in the 1600s when the, I believe it was the Puritans actually, sailed their asses across the Atlantic Ocean. They were probably your ancestors and stepped foot on the great soil that is the United States of America. And they met up with the Native Americans and they said, hey, would you like to have a massive feast? And the Native Americans said, yep, but we don't have any turkey. So here's a duck. And that was the first Thanksgiving, and we've done it every single year since. Except the only thing that we change is that duck is now a turkey, and we play football, American football.
0: It was the it wasn't a Pocahontas or was it Pocahontas or Sacagawea? Neither. It was Squanto. Squanto. That's right. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Um. <laughs> it's my favorite holiday. Um. Out of I like it more than Christmas. I like it more than. Easter, Halloween. It, uh, oh my god, it's the best holiday in the world. Uh maybe one Hey, maybe one year Jack you can fly over here for Thanksgiving and we'll show you what it's all about.
1: Yeah, um, I wouldn't go to your house though cuz you got rice pilaf, chicken nuggets and pizza. But we <laughs> do
0: we do have plenty of beer.
1: Okay. <laughs> Shit, I'll be there next year then. <laughs> yeah. This year we didn't have any pizza, which was uh, which was refreshing, honestly. <laughs> no, because I Thanksgiving Thanksgiving and Christmas are definitely the, my two favorite holidays. Thanksgiving, though, is is the absolute epitome of American yeah. holidays. I know yeah. Canada has their own Thanksgiving as well. It's like a week before America's. I have no idea what their Thanksgiving is like. I would assume it's fairly similar. Um, but no, it, um, Thanksgiving is a big deal in America. We have the Macy's Day Parade. Yeah. Everybody gets two, usually you get two days off from work. Everybody's eating turkey and rolls and doing whatever, watching football. Thank God, the Patriots didn't play this year. Oh, my God. Um, But the next thing he said was Island Stew said we don't get a Boxing Day. We do not get a Boxing Day. Isn't Boxing Day like when you return the gifts you don't like or something?
0: Um, I'll tell you in a second. Boxing Day? Okay. Boxing Day. Get out of my way, Ad. Boxing Day is a holiday celebrated after Christmas Day, occurring on the second day of Christmas. Though it originated as a holiday to give gifts to poor people. Today, however, Boxing Day forms part of Christmas celebrations, with many people choosing to take advantage of Boxing Day sales. It originated in Great Britain and is is celebrated in several Commonwealth nations. The attached bank holiday or public holiday may take place on 28 December, if necessary, to ensure it falls on a weekday. Boxing Day is also concurrent with the Christian festival, St. Stephen's Day.
1: Wow. Okay. So, no, we definitely don't have that. I mean, we have, no. uh, we have Black Friday, as do they. We have Cyber Monday. I don't know if they have Cyber Monday. Cyber Monday is the Monday after Black Friday when everything on Amazon is... Cheap. That's yeah. just an Amazon holiday. Actually, now that I think about it, pretty much. Yeah, but well, uh, both, both days I used to love, I've now
0: turned to despise. <laughs> with, with my entire bane of my existence. <laughs> well,
1: it's a good thing we don't have a Boxing Day then, because uh, I think they have uh, Boxing Day in Canada. I think I'm pretty sure. I'm actually almost positive they have Boxing Day in Canada. We just don't have it here. Yeah. Because we at 1776, we clipped all of our Great Britain roots. So yeah, uh, we
0: threw we threw all those boxes under the harbor. That's
1: right. That, that was our boxing day. <laughs> <laughs> um. All right. He said, uh, "Take your you tea could, and stuff it." <laughs> <laughs> if you could change the overtime format in the playoffs from endless five on five until there is a winner, what would you change it to? Can I be honest?
0: Yeah. I. There's nothing more in life that I love more than five on five playoff hockey. Yeah. I am not even being like a hardo. I don't think I would change anything.
1: I really don't. Yeah, I don't think I would either. And then, I mean, I guess that makes me a hard O. But I was thinking, you know, <laughs> I love three on three overtime. I'm thinking about the Bruins what? and Maple Leafs the other night. Yeah, But that's uh, that's not the right way to do what I think in the playoffs. Um, it has to be five on five. And that's the most fair way to do it. So, Can I ask, yeah, ask
0: you a question? Yeah. How about in in regular season, right? So obviously three-on-three three might be the greatest thing hockey has ever done in terms of overtime um, for the regular season. Uh, I don't think they're going to get rid of the shootout, although I really wish that they would. I don't think they will. What if uh, – would you be opposed to coaches? You or, I'm sorry, you're not coaches, but like – being able to basically pull what TJ Oshie did in the Olympics, and a coach being able to go back to another player, twice or three times or four times, you know, you know what I mean, instead of just having a rotation. What? <laughs> like a shootout? There's no shootout. No, I'm not talking playoffs. I'm talking. I'm talking regular season. If it goes to a shootout, oh, the coach, the coach oh, yeah, able to just pick, like, say, like we the Bruins went to a shootout against the Oilers, and it was just like Montgomery puts out pasta, and then whoever coaches Edmonton now puts out McDavid. They both score. Put out pasta again. Put out McDavid again. Put out pasta again.
1: Put, like no. That was – Oh, my God, dude. That would honestly, be insane. Honestly, I love that. Yeah, no, sorry. I was thinking about I was like, shit on the playoffs, what's this guy talking about? No, I think, <laughs> I think that would that would be – I mean, that's why you get those guys. I mean, I'm thinking too about like some guy who's buried in Providence who just sucks the game of hockey, but he's really good in a shootout, and suddenly he's got a place on the team just in case. Yeah. Like like almost like an e-bug. They have an, an e-bus, emergency backup shootouter, and he, like – they just keep, they just get like, you know, when uh, Patrick Kane's disgusting in the shootout, when he's 45, he'll still have a job because he'll be some team's emergency shootout guy. Yeah, you, you, know, what like think, a, like a you know what I think? Like a shootout specialist. Exactly. What I think would be cool too, and it doesn't pertain to overtime, obviously, but um, which will make sense once I say it, but the, uh, the P, what is it? Is it the PWHL? Is that the new professional yes. women's hockey league, right? That's a new league. Yes. I thought I saw that they were testing a new rule where, If a player gets a penalty and they go to the box, if the other team scores while they're on the power play, the player still has to stay in the box and serve the rest of their penalty. That's kind of interesting. How would you feel about implementing something like that? Meh. Which which is why I said it obviously wouldn't happen in overtime. But during the regular season and during the regulation? Uh, I
0: don't know. You know what I would love? If... Uh if the shorthanded team scores a goal
1: I feel like there should be some kind of bonus for that. If a short if a shorthanded team scores a goal then their guy gets to come out of the box. Yes, yes. Boom, you just duh. Hello. Yeah, My that's is there. always pinging. But you know, that that makes perfect sense. That, that would, would be, be sick. Cool. That would be sick cuz
0: then you get a reward for pushing for offense it would make the penalty kill a little bit more
1: dynamic. Um, ooh, I kind you of know really what? like that. I feel like the NHL is trying to promote, oh, I don't know, I was going to say, the NHL is trying to promote more offense, I feel like. And if you have guys on the power play now having to have a little inkling of defense in their mind too, that could take away. But no, it wouldn't because it would be but another that, t- team still scoring a goal at the end of the day. So maybe not. Right,
0: And, and at the same time too, in that sense, Um, obviously the shorthanded team is still shorthanded, but if they're pushing for offense, then it's going to lead to more odd man rushes on the power play going back the other way. Like that could be a, that could actually be a sick idea. Oh yeah. A reward system, shorthanded goal. The guy comes out of the box. I kind of like that. That's let's try it out at the youth level. See how it works. Let's try it in men's league. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Next week. (laughs) It feels, it feels a little bit like arcadey, but also not at the same time. I don't know if that no, makes like any it.
1: sense. You know, I I like when when the game when the league does something to keep it fresh. You know, when they had yeah. three on three. I mean, that's it's two vastly different examples. But when they introduced three on three overtime, like it. There's a reason I murmured under my breath and I was hoping nobody would hear me when the Bruins are playing the Maple Leafs that I kind of hope that game will go into overtime because it'd be fun to watch. (laughs) And damn it, it happened. And it was fun to watch because it was three on three. So I don't know. It could be something else that they try.
0: Yeah. Yeah, no, that was that's a good idea. But was that that was the last part of Jack's question, right?
1: yeah he also added that he likes the idea of the initial five on five but every five to ten minutes each team loses a player of their choice until you've just oh, got yeah. the goalies out there that would that would linus omar's and Tristan in jari's value just went through the roof i mean that, that would be something if it got to the end of the overtime and it's just two goalies out there looking at each other
0: <laughs> i'm just imagining them in net for the face off like both of them in their net the ref just drops the puck in the middle and they just like
1: they just stay there.
0: Like they don't. Yeah. They don't do anything.
2: because
1: <laughs> um, well, if you, if they went to pick up the puck and you go down there and shoot and the goalie makes a save, well, if it's Omar or Jari, you just got to stand up and follow the thing down the ice.
0: <laughs> I'm just imagining two goalies one on one with a full sheet of ice in front of twenty thousand people. If like, I was what? a fan,
1: that's that's my bathroom break. That's when I go up and I and I go to the bathroom where I go and stand in line and get a beer.
0: <laughs> yeah, dude. Um, yeah. So shout out Jack, um, little history lesson there on Thanksgiving. We got a little history lesson on boxing day. So, uh, um, we're moving on to the next one here. Um, let me see as I have to pull them back up. Um, boop, 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 boop. This next question comes in from Tommy Bennett. Shout out running with the devil. Shout out his uh, articles on primetime. Uh, follow him on Twitter at TJ Bennett 37. He said, what's one issue that stands out to you right now that if it stays an issue, it could pose a problem down the stretch? Mine is closing out games. And I said this to him. I said, it took me a second. I thought about it. And then right away, it was just closing out games, closing out games.
1: Yeah, definitely closing out games. I'll add, um, I think that they're, they they get very lazy in the defensive zone at times. And mm-hmm. I was going to just single out the defenseman, but it's really not. I think it's you can include the forwards as well. There's too much just throwing the puck around at times, I feel like. And it's almost like uh, there's at times a defenseman or a forward gets the puck, and instead of wanting to make a play or wanting to make the right play with the puck, they just... Go here. It's yours now. Deal with it. Like you do something yeah. with it. And I feel like at times there's a lot of that going on, whether it be a defenseman, just blindly, just rimming it around the boards to absolutely nobody, or maybe there's, you know, uh, uh the puck goes in the corner and the defenseman and forward are just kind of looking at each other and, and the other team beats him to the puck. I think there's a lot of that happening. And, uh, th- that's an easy fix. I think pick your head up and make the right play. Um, but I, that kind of comes, I feel like with, uh, with lazy hockey. Uh, yeah. I think if, it almost feels like they they have more time. And when I say they, this is honestly more so about the defenseman. It feels like they have more time than they realize. Like there's a, there's times when they just rim the puck around the boards, or like you know they they fill a guy in their back, so they just kind of cough it up and just throw it in the middle of the ice. And it's like oh, that's exactly what you don't want to do. Yeah. And um, those are those are bad habits that I think can be easily fixed because this is still one of the deepest defensive cores in the league. And these guys are good at moving the puck. I mean, say what you want about uh, any of these guys, but you know, Grizzly can skate the puck out in his own McAvoy, Lindholm, Carlo Forbert can get the puck out. I mean, these guys. got Shattenkirk's a vet. I mean, these guys know how to play the game. So, yeah, I
0: I think we saw that exemplified too, in the little three game skid, the breakouts were just not clean. They were messy with the puck. There were turnovers everywhere. So yeah, the laziness can definitely be improved on too, but um, yeah, shout out to Tommy, Again, at TJ Bennett 37. This next question comes in from Professor of Puck, um, a part of Primetime Productions' uh, gambling segment. Um, follow them, High Slot Podcast, um, and also follow him on Twitter, at Professor of Puck. He said, is it time for Grizzlick to pack his shit and leave town?
1: No. <laughs> <laughs> I, no, I mean... I I, like I would I would I think we've touched on this before I would I would definitely I would trade him but I would trade anybody for the right deal we we actually talked about this last week I would trade David Posnock for Connor McDavid like you know I'm always about what's doing in the best interest of the team so I would trade Matt Grizzly if you get back a good package but like I'm not I wouldn't I'm not actively shopping him. I'm not shopping right, him yes. at all. I'm picking up the phone when people call. I think that's the only instance I would be wanting to move on from Matt Grizzlick. Because I see it a lot on Twitter too, where a lot of people, I feel like it's when you talk about like mm-hmm. shedding cap or making a move, people talk about Derek Ford because of his contract, but people also go right to Matt Grizzlick because his contract isn't isn't bad and he's good. Like he's a top four defenseman. He's a yeah. uh, team can Jesus. I don't know how many years he has left on this deal, but he's under the age of 30. Like he's a, he's a good player. And uh, you, you see a lot of other teams saying like Bruins fans don't realize the value of their own players. Like Matt Grizzlick is good. Stop trying to shop him and actively include him in deals. But if it was the right dealer for team was calling for Matt Grizzlick, I'd pick up the phone, but I'm not, I'm not going out of my way to trade him. There's no need to.
0: Uh, I'm kind of on the opposite side of the spectrum of you. Um Macrisick's contract ends this year. He makes 3.6, um basically 3.7. And the only thing that worry not worries me necessarily, but the only thing that would make me lean towards trading him is his size when it comes to playoff time. Um the, the fact that you're not going to be able to ship Forbert out, nobody's going to take him. Um, and I think you, he he does have value for sure. And again, I'm not advocating to trade him. I'm just saying these are the reasons why I would. When it comes to playoff time, obviously the game gets heavier. He tends to get hurt. He tends to shy away from physical play. Um Nikita Zadorov is off the market, so that's not happening. <laughs> <laughs> but I think I think a a, a player similar to Zadorov would be a better fit come playoff time. <clears throat> Who that player is, I don't know. I don't know if that player will even become available. I mean, Chris Tanev is out there. That would be kind of cool, but he's pricey. Um, I don't know. Right now, like you said, you don't do it unless the right move comes along, and right now there is no move. But um come trade deadline, maybe you see something happen.
1: And if you moved um Oh, so you would be moving him ideally for a defenseman?
0: Potentially, unless they really think Laura is ready to make that
1: jump, which I don't know about. But that's why, like, I feel like if you I feel like that would just be making a lateral step. If you were to move Grizzly for a defenseman, like the Bruins, they still need secondary scoring. Like, I feel like if you were to move Matt Grizzly, you would be doing so because you need a second line, right winger. Like that's, you don't need another defenseman. Like you don't, you're fine there. And if you were to move Matt Grizzly to get a second line winger or to get some offensive help, then that means you got to play Lori. and there's been games. He's looked great. And there's been games he's looked, not great. And in a seven game playoff series, when you need your best players on the ice every single night, I can't trust Mason Lori every night. I can't trust him as much as I can trust, trust Mac Rizlik. And that's why I feel like trading Mac Rizlik, if you were to get a forward, I feel like doesn't make this team. It, it solves one one issue, but it just creates another, in my opinion.
0: OK, yeah, no, that's fair. That's valid. Um Obviously, like. You know, rumors and stuff will heat up as we get further into the season. Um, but as of right now, there's nothing that you would trade him for anyways. Nobody's on the market. Um, you, like you said, I don't think is ready to make that step. If he was, obviously he would have stayed. Um, but that's definitely something to keep an eye on. Do you, do you think Grizzlyk resigns? He could. I don't know. I don't know. I think they'd have to get him... Because what would be a fair deal for him? I mean, what he's making right now, you probably don't want to spend more than that. Like, that's probably, like, yeah. his cap. You know what I mean? Some teams definitely going to offer him, like, four and a half per. And, and, and good for him, too, if he gets that. Because, he, I mean, he's earned it. He's a good defenseman. Um, It's just, like, I, I, looking towards the future, I just think like the Bruins need to get heavier. That's that's yeah, and, my only reason. And I think,
1: and also, like, you know, think a, a year from now, what? mason Laura is going to be like matt Grizzick is a lot more expendable if mason Laura is ready and right now he's not yes. he, he yeah. could be next year he, you know another off season in the bruins system with our strength trainers and our coaches and suddenly you don't need macros anymore and you can comfortably put mason Laura in that top line uh that top pairing and he's making a third of what matt Grizzick is making and then you're fine but yeah. um so that, that could be the the right move in the off season to just not extend him if you don't need to especially if his figure is like north north of four then I'm kind of I don't know about that
0: Um, but yeah so so shout out to Professor of Puck again on Twitter at Professor of Puck Uh, his podcast at high slot podcast as well Um, check out his gambling odds his gambling bets on primetime productions Um, so yeah if you're a gambler out there go give him uh, in his profile a look but uh, shout out to him. This next one comes in from Bobby Brewski. Uh, Bobby!
1: Uh, from the beaches on, of
0: Winnipeg. Follow <laughs> him on Twitter, at Bobby Brewski. He said, which hockey journalist do you hate the most? Oh! And my, do you have an answer right off the top of your head?
1: No, I just have semi-breaking Boston sports news. The Boston Red Sox have traded Alex Verdugo to the Yankees. Really? <sighs> really for Richard Fitz Greg Weissert and Nicholas Judas what who what breaking news on the
0: something's brewing podcast Alex Verdugo to the Yankees
1: wow now the Red Sox have absolutely zero players left from the Mookie Betts trade what the hell okay Well, that just killed my vibe. Listen, it's okay if Alex Verdugo leaves the Red Sox. I think he was already going to leave. His brother pretty much all but said it. He was pissed off all of last year. But to treat him to the Yankees, when's the last time? We're a Bruins podcast. What was the
0: question? (laughs) Which hockey journalist do you hate the most? Mine, really quick, it's whatever Winnipeg journalist asked about that stupid scenario
1: that he oh himself yeah in last week. that was terrible my shitty journalist of the week is the one <laughs> that was talking to Jack Hughes and they were talking he's like yeah you know obviously you were the first round first overall pick but uh you know your brother Quinn Hughes was drafted a year before you you know he's kind of been like a big brother to you what was what was he saying to you for the whole process and Jack Hughes kind of looked at him he was like well, he's not kind of like a big brother. He he is my big brother. Yeah, yeah, I saw that. <laughs> I, I was getting torched for it. What a stupid ass question that was. So I would say that guy. But uh, honorable mention, dude, Dan Shaughnessy. I, I can't. Yeah, say that's him. a good one. He can't stand him. He's not a Bruins guy. He's a Socks guy. But
0: well, this going into the Sox space a little too.
1: How about Pete Abe? Oh, dude, he's an idiot too. I know. <laughs> I, I'm like, there's the. Uh... There's there's too many to count. Every every Boston sports team has at least one that is just a doofus. Honestly. Oh, you know, you know who's a Ben Volan. Ben Volan is the uh, worst. Did you hear what he did on WEI? Maybe. When the this whole thing started with Ben Volan and why people don't well, people haven't trusted what he's reported for a long time. He just kind of yeah. says what he says. And when people press him, where'd you hear that? He's like Oh, I can't name my source, whatever. And he he used to call in every, I was like every Monday or once a week to WEI, the local uh, Boston sports radio station, second biggest Boston sports radio station in the market. He would call in and they would ask him questions and he would talk about the Patriots and blah, 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 and this and that. And he went on and he basically said that, he heard from a source that there, that uh, Mac Jones is, this was like, this was during the off season. This was during uh preseason. This was before the monstrosity of this year. And he was saying that Mac Jones lost the locker room. His teammates hate him. They're talking about him. Coaches are talking about him. Yes. He's the one who started it. And they, and, and it was breaking news and it was all over the place. It was, it got national media spotlight because the starting quarterback of the New England Patriots, his teammates hate him. The coaches hate him. All this stuff was going on. And, um, and it ended up coming out that his unnamed source was a guy on Twitter. And we know that because the guy on Twitter, uh, tweeted the screenshot that he sent to Ben Volen and he said oh my uh like my uncle works the gate at Gillette and he said that uh the whole Patriots team hates Mac Jones and that all the coaches don't like him and that uh Mac Jones got in an argument with uh Billy O'Brien his first day in the office like that's pretty much what he said and Ben Volen went on the air and read it word for word that this random and the, the dude tweeted it and he was like, "I'm just some fat ass sitting in my basement and listening to bar stool every day." And I thought I would just send this shit out to Ben Volen to see if he would take the bait. And that idiot took it. <laughs> and ben Volen went on went on the radio station, read it, and presented that as as a true story. And ever since then, his credibility has been shot. And that's wow. a Patriots reporter. So we got him. We got Dan Shaughnessy. We got. All these guys, but, uh, I
0: will, I mean, dude, like I'll give a shout out to the Bruins media. Like everybody in there is good. Hags is good. Connor Ryan is awesome. Ty Anderson Mm. is awesome. Um, Steve Conroy is great. And, and everybody else, Evan Marinovsky, he's awesome. Um, Well, I
1: feel like what I feel like a a lot that helps too is, uh, like a a lot of those guys are like Bruins fans first too, which I feel like is helpful if you have, uh, it, uh, I like. I feel like you have a better understanding of the market and a better understanding of how we want our teams to be covered. Like a lot of the, like, uh, I don't want to rag on Ben Volant, but he's from Baltimore. Like he doesn't have any ties to the community, any ties to the New England Patriots organization. And like I feel like a lot of these guys who like grew up, you know, consuming the local media and, and being a fan first, and then transitioning into the role in, in media. I feel like you get a, a better um, grasp of the team, or they have a better, I think, understanding of as fans how we want this team to be covered than uh, somebody like a transplant from another community. And th- that doesn't mean everything is sunshines and rainbows all the time. No, but you know, it's just like there's a clear difference in the way that the Bruins are covered by local media uh, in comparison to like the Red Sox Celtics or Patriots. And I think that yeah. all goes back to the names you just mentioned in the great writers that, that the Bruins have in yeah.
0: Um. So yeah. So shout out to obviously Bobby, uh, check out Bobby's Corner on Only Bruins. Again, follow him on Twitter at Bobby Brewski. Um, but these these two are kind of similar, right? So I'm going to combine them. I'll read them both. Um, this comes in from Cable Jack. You can follow them on Twitter at Man 1126 He said, Bruins are in need of team toughness. Where do they find it? And then the one that kind of is a follow-up to that, Comes in from Dirty Water sixty three. You can follow him on Twitter at Bruins Rob sixty three. He said, "There's Twitter rumors of the Bruins trying to get Maroon. I say absolutely not. But if they do, does Jack Edwards send him a congratulatory pizza? And if so, from where? <laughs> we could <can> skip that <laughs> last. We can skip the last part. <laughs> but uh, I mean, Pat Maroon one million dollars AAV. Um, I'm pretty sure he's on his last deal of his contract. He's a Stanley Cup winner."
1: Um, I I don't know. Two time Stanley Cup winner. Yeah, yeah. I wouldn't. I, I, I wouldn't hate Pat Maroon. I wouldn't hate it either. I mean, I, I don't. I don't think he's a very good uh, hockey player. But like, you don't need him to be. Like that's right. that's why he's coming in this locker room. Like, you if you if you're signing Pat Maroon to be, you know, the tough guy enforcer who's going to protect your stars and I guess piss but, people like, off and maybe create some space. He could do that. I think there's better options than Pat Maroon, but
0: right, Pat Maroon wouldn't be terrible. Like right now, I guess it's kind of attractive, especially with only a one million dollar AAV too. Like that's very, very nice. Um, but who would he replace? I, he's not the same Pat Maroon that he was when he was, you know, winning those cups in Tampa Bay. Um, I think eventually there's going to be better options out there that you could grab. I like maybe. No, Tanner Jeannot wouldn't become available, but somebody more like that, a little bit younger, maybe. Um, oh, somebody- Pat Maroon actually has three cups. My has three cups. So, yeah, man, I don't know. I don't know, but I, I think that's something that this team is missing, though,
1: for sure. What about Ryan Reeves? Get out of here! <laughs> <laughs> Goodbye, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> let's um, give him. Hey, let's give him a four-year, sixteen million dollar deal
0: only the dumbest of dumb teams would do that Mel
1: I, I, I he's like 36 I, know. I, st- I still can't <laughs> believe it like Jesus I love it. I love it
0: um but yeah I mean they're gonna have to uh, they're gonna have to address that at some point I don't think they really I don't think the team wants it and I don't think fans really want Trent Frederick to play that role. I would rather Chad Frederick not be the enforcer. Like, definitely fight when you have to. Like, that's fine. Like, he's the guy to stick up for other guys right now, and that's more than okay, but I'd rather him focus on actually just playing the game instead of being that guy Um, because I think he's better off not doing that or or not playing in that role. Um, But definitely something that I think they can address at some point. Not yet. Trade deadline acquisition maybe, Um, but I guess we'll see.
1: I'm with you I I, I don't mind Pat Maroon I would like them to get a little uh, beefier I guess but I'm with you like Trent Trent Frederick I feel like he's he's still young he's still developing his offensive game you saw what he gave you last year and I I would rather him focus on other areas of his game than having to worry about also having to be the lone enforcer on this team at times so yeah get Um, somebody else to do the dirty work for him
0: yeah so shout out to the DMs Um, shout out to everybody sending your questions thank you very much keep them coming to end the show, um, we do a little three-game preview. Actually, the next okay, we're gonna do a two-game preview because <gasps> Wait. it
1: overlaps. Wow, what? The jersey. Whoa. Oh, oh, oh my God! We remembered. Listen, listen, Sally and I, we're planning on doing. We're still gonna do it, but we yeah. we've been planning on doing a, a jersey giveaway. And we've been seeing a lot of other people on in primetime productions do giveaways. I know Drop the Mits gave away an autographed Hampusland home jersey. Only Bruins gave away a Bruins hat. There's been other giveaways as well. So Sully and I were like, you know what? Let's give away a David Poshnock jersey. I think that would be great. I think it would get people excited. Um, we want to give give back to our, our Bruins community. The only oh, yeah. problem is, Sully and I are broke as hell. We cannot yep. afford to get a Bruins jersey, so <laughs> we did what every other person in our position would do, and probably has done. I've done it plenty of times in college. We went to DHgate, uh, and if you're not familiar with DHgate, it's a it's a a, a Chinese super site that sells fake stuff that looks almost real it's almost a real deal i've known friends in college who got airpods in dh gate some of them sucked some of them didn't most of them sucked and uh, we ended up getting a david posternock jersey on dh gate it took over two months to come in we would regularly check sully's the mailman he's in there going to work every day seeing if there's something getting delivered to his house every day there was nothing i was starting to think they forgot about us I don't know if they sent it to the wrong country. I don't know if the ship sank in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean. I don't know what was going on. Or Pacific, I guess that would be the Pacific. Sorry. Uh, The jersey didn't come in. Suddenly, we were surprised. On Sully's front steps, a DHK package. It's all written in Chinese. We don't know what the hell it says on it. But we do know inside of this thing is a black number 88 David Posternock jersey. Sully is showing it to the camera right now. We open the bag, and like you can tell from a, probably a, a, a quarter mile away that this jersey is fake as shit. It like it it doesn't look terrible. No, it's not that it bad. It's not you know, that. Bad. It's like um, it, it it's almost like trying to draw the Mona Lisa with a crayon. Like it it you can tell <laughs> what it is. Like you know what it's supposed to be, but it's just it's just not. Listen, that. listen. Just to put it into
0: perspective, this jersey. Listen, you're getting a one of a kind, David. Yeah, you'll never see another one like this again. No, it it the side, the side is mesh, for some reason. Under the 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 patch on the shoulder is a Bruins centennial patch, but the jersey is just the regular
1: black and gold (laughs) jersey. So you're getting a, a one of one. Yeah, so they obviously messed up with that um that patch obviously isn't supposed to be in that jersey and the numbers on the back um if you look at the bruins jersey on the back it's it's uh if i'm not mistaken it's the number is yellow with black trim around the yellow with white trim around that on this jersey there's no black trim it's just a yellow number surrounded by white so like it doesn't look terrible I said f- from, I think I said, what, like a quarter mile away, you can tell it's fake? No, maybe from like six to six to eight feet, you can tell it's fake. Anything farther than 10, it looks it looks pretty good. So just make sure when you wear it, you're not standing near anybody. You're standing your wallflower. You're going around the corner of the room, and you'll be fine.
0: Yeah, just walk around with your arms stretched all the way out.
1: Yeah, but, but to make it even funnier, we've been waiting forever for this jersey to come in. It came in. The jersey's fake as shit. And Sally and I were like, well, we're still gonna give it away. And honestly, I feel like that would be so on brand for us to give to like to do this whole giveaway and to just do it with a fake jersey. But we kept forgetting to talk. Like this came in like three and a half weeks ago. We just keep forgetting to talk about it because we were like, Well, we, we gotta talk about it on the episode first to make sure everybody knows whoever wins is getting a fake jersey. Like we can't just tweet it out and have it get shipped to this person's house. We're like, oh, wait a minute. So we've been holding on to this a while, just waiting for us to remember to talk about it on the show. And Thankfully, we did. So, anyways, we're going to do a giveaway on Twitter. Don't know what we're going to do exactly yet of how to enter the giveaway, but um, make sure you follow us on Twitter, at Bruin Something. We'll tweet the giveaway on there. Um, and one lucky winner will get a one-of-one, one, mm-hmm. authentically fake, David <laughs> Posternock jersey. So, stay yeah, and, tuned for that.
0: And listen, I, I we know it's not, obviously, like the um, – authentic pro shop kind of jersey but you'll be getting it for free uh you'll be getting your jersey it's going to be like mel said authentically fake one of one um and it's it is sick it, it is cool it, it looks good it looks fine so yeah we'll be able to look <laughs> out <laughs> for that giveaway um yeah so like mel said we'll put it out on the um on the something's brewing podcast account we'll tweet the rules there too uh with some photos of the jersey so you guys can judge for yourselves if, it's, <laughs> if it really looks as bad as as you know it seems which i i'm in the lane of it really doesn't look terrible it's kind of cool but it, whatever um but anyways um the the we're gonna do a final two-game preview for uh the team um Bruins and Sabres on Thursday. Me, Mel, and Khan will be in attendance. Whoa! Boots on the ground! Boots on the
1: ground. Prediction, Mel. Bruins, Sabres. Well, they're undefeated at games I've gone at this year. Just saying. They're also Uh-oh. undefeated at games that you and I have gone at together. True. But So, Connor's the wild card here. I don't know how the Bruins are going to do in Connor's oh. presence. He also said that he hasn't he hasn't been to a game in... Forever. I he, uh, he was describing how long it's been. I don't remember what he was saying, but it's been a long time since Connor's been in the Bruins game. Um, so I'm going to say Tage Thompson is back. He came yes. back today. So we'll get to see the man the myth, the legend, in person. I'm going to say four to one win Bruins. I'm going to say five to two
0: win Bruins. Hey, wow. Hey-o. You picked the Bruins over the Sabres. I did. Sabres are a, <laughs> a large disappointment. Yeah. You can thank you not- for that. Very disappointed, father. Um, <laughs> then, then the other one, Coyotes at
1: uh, TD Garden. Coyotes are humming. I have you for a couple things. First of all, have you seen what they've been doing? Their last, they've played the last five Stanley Cup champions in a row, and they all. beat every single one of them. And their social media team is going crazy. This yeah. is their Super Bowl. They tweeted. I saw today. They they tweeted the meme of Thanos with the Infinity Gauntlet, and Thanos was wearing like a Coyotes hat, and the Gauntlet had the logo of like the Blues, <laughs> the Caps, the Golden Knights, the last five cup winning teams. It was funny, um, yeah. but that stops this game, and uh, they're not going to be the 2011 Stanley Cup champs. Bruins going to win three to nothing. Shut out. Throw a shoe.
0: I kind of like that. I'll go through nothing too. I'm riding on your, on your boat. Wow. No pressure. Shit. Yep. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Yeah. So me and Mel both have the the Bruins winning those two games, but um, yeah. Um, Bruins are humming again. Uh, Marshawn is cooking. Um, Team is firing on all cylinders. Uh, Patra, Beecher, both playing well. Don't overreact to them, you know, being, being benched a little bit, having their time on ice, you know, dwindling a little it's just normal that's all part of a developing player just be happy that neither of them are liabilities out there be happy that johnny beecher is a menace on the face off dot be happy that matthew Pascher is a wizard with the puck on his stick and you know watch watch jim montgomery allow these young guns to flourish in his system. Um, There's no better coach in the NHL to be coaching young, young talent right now than Jim Montgomery. So trust him. He's making the right decisions. Um, He has yet to prove us wrong. Unless you're talking about the Stanley Cup playoffs last year, but we're not going to talk about that. Um, (laughs) Outside of that um, episode 69 of the something's brewing podcast, Boston Bruins right now, 17, four and three good for 37 points in um, this season. First in the Atlantic Division, seven points ahead of second place Florida Panthers, uh, eight points ahead of the third place Detroit Red Wings, and in the entire league, your Boston Bruins are tied with the New York Rangers at 37 points. With that being said, this has been episode 69 of the Something's Bruin podcast. As always, you can follow the podcast account on Twitter at Bruins Something, no G at the end. You can follow Myself on Twitter at underscore Mike Sullivan. You can follow Nick on Twitter at Nick Melanson underscore. And you can follow Primetime Productions on Twitter to keep yourself updated with all of our media outlets at Primetime Prods. With that being said, this has been episode 69 of the Something's Brewed podcast.
1: We'll catch you next
2: week.
0: And in front of Sanderson, or Bobby Orr scores, and the Bruins win the
1: Stanley Cup. <laughs> but actually, it sounds like uh, like I just closed my eyes and I walked in the retirement home, they're playing uh, uh- 1972 Boston Bruins titles.